On this episode of Geek Out Loud, we're passing the corn with my brother from another mother. Air Schernevice is here, and you've been demanding it for months, and we're back, baby! We're passing the corn on your safe place to geek out. This is Geek Out Loud. Welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. And what a show have we got for you today. We're going to go ahead and bring him in because, look, there's no sense in delaying it. He is my brother from another mother. He is the man with the plan. Did I say he's my brother from another mother? He's the guy who's willing to pass the corn to me, with me, for me, through me. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Schernevice. <laughs> I don't know about that pass the corn to you through me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just got really wound up, and I realized yeah, as I was like, as I said it. This, yeah, I'm like that's really strange. This that is was a family show. Yeah, that was really strange. <laughs> I don't I don't even know what that looks like, how that works, you know. And uh, well, hello, my brother from another mother. <laughs> I feel like we should start over. <laughs> Right, the 15 of you that are listening that's to right. us in the chat, you never heard that. That's right. <laughs> that, that, that past, that corn line stays amongst that's yourselves. Right. Yeah, yeah. We, Fire uh, the Justice League back up again. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> oh, let's just all ignore it. Let's just say Arish is here. The thing that everyone, I've been getting emails, I've been getting tweets, like, when is Eris coming back on? We're we activating to... the Omega device in Galaxy Quest. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, we can't, can we deactivate that? Is that That's the... the thing that allows you to just go back in time like 10 seconds. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. Um, uh, what is it that they had to wait, it didn't turn off until it got to one, even though they'd done all the right things? Like it was doing the countdown. That was the self-destruct. Okay, yeah, it was a self-destruct. I love that bit. They're like, why is it not shutting off? And it gets to one, and it just yeah. stops. And like, because everything's designed based on what they saw on TV. Yep. Oh, brilliant. Shaz just says, keep going. And so I'm... <laughs> of course Shaz, he does. He's probably yeah. turning, the, he's turning that corn line into a song right now. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I do... Let's just start throwing out random songs. the corn song. through you. Oh, not through. Why did I say through? Everything was fine. Except for through. Oh. Well, um, I want to begin this episode with you, Erich, um, with with a reading from... Uh, Is it going to be a dramatic reading? A dramatic reading, yeah. A one sentence. Okay. Um, so no one can accuse me of spoilers. Uh, this is chapter one, line one of Thrawn. All beings begin their lives with hopes and aspirations. You need to check out Thrawn. If you can pick it up on Amazon using the Amazon links at Geek Out Online and Geek Out, <laughs> geekoutpodcast.com. A dramatic, You're digging it? 
Uh, yeah, dude, I sure am. I sure am. Cool, cool. It's good stuff. And so I, I say, I do that by means of saying thank you for um, making sure I was able to get my hands on a copy. I really appreciate it. Well, and then after you read it, you kind of got to go back and watch season three of Rebels again. Oh yeah, because well, it just it, especially with Thrawn and uh, Price's relationship mm-hmm. and stuff, I feel like it adds mm-hmm. little nuances to it. Because the book is as much her origin as it right. is Thrawn's. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, I'm I'm so glad it was able to get done. It's good to have Tim's on back in Star Wars doing Thrawn. That's where he belongs. Yes, it is. Ever since the nineties, that's just where he belongs. Um, I also have a couple other thank you, a couple of other thank yous, real quick, Eric. I got to get out of the way, and I just want to get him out of the way. It's right here the Steve's top. favorite <clears throat> things episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, Josh Lick, you know Josh. Oh yeah. Josh uh, went to Saw Disney. Josh at Celebration. Yeah, and while he was there, he went to Disney World, and he grabbed me uh, the Droid Factory version of Chopper that they have there at the park. And this figure is so much better than anything Hasbro put out. It's got Chopper's little arms coming out of his head. It's got a, you can detach his wheel and put in the the rocket booster. You know, it even comes with his leg that is the right color. You know, so you can reenact that whole episode where he was trying to get his right leg, you know. Um, Right. and, And it's just, he sent me two of them. So I have one to open. And one to display. So I just, you know, and then with that, he also sent just a butt ton of other stuff in this box. And and so just want to give a big shout out to Josh and say thank you, uh, Josh. Thank you that. so Thank you much. so much. But then also, listener, Norman Szymanski. Norman Szymanski. And, and I, I, he sent a care package. Szymanski. <clears throat> Storm and Norman, as it were. Um, this is what... He's, he sent, okay, the other week I had a, I've, I've been getting stuff set up in the Star Wars room. And I have a shelf where I'm basically going from, I start with Baby Anakin and just work my way up to Ghost Anakin um, on the shelf. And there's, you know, there are other characters in between there. So there's little scenes of him fighting with Obi-Wan on Mustafar and fighting with Dooku. And there's Ahsoka's there standing with him. And there's a Vader versus Ahsoka little moment in there. And, of course, there's Luke that comes into play and Obi-Wan, all this other stuff. But um, I have a Shmi. I had a Shmi figure from the Power of the Jedi line. And the card wasn't that great. And so I just put on the Goloverse Facebook group at uh, geekoutonline.com slash group. Uh, just asked if people thought I should open it. And, of course, everyone's like, yes, open it, because it's not their toy. And, um, and so I opened her to display her next to baby Anakin. And I get an email from Norman saying, hey, I saw where you, where you were going to open that thing. I've got a Shmi that's in really good shape. I just, you know, have an extra one. I thought I'd send it to you. And so I'm like, oh, okay, fine. You know, thanks. Well, not only does he send Shmi, but, I, but he sent a whole care package, a whole Star Wars care package, Erish. This box, I'm expecting Shmi, and, and I get this big, heavy box. And I'm like, well, Shmi doesn't weigh this much. And um, so I want to read this email from Norm. And, uh, and, and, so you, and and then I'll describe something else. He describes what's in it and why it's there. But I want to then tell you what else. There's one other thing he put in that I will tell you about when we get there. He says, hello, Steve. I hope you enjoy what I sent you. A few extra things made their way into the box. It was the only box I had, so I had to fill it. A few months ago when you were talking about the trading cards, I immediately thought to send these over to you. But you see, I'm a bit of a procrastinator. I'm trying to get better. hope there's some in there you can use. He sent me a shoebox full of trading cards. 
Star Wars, Star Trek, um, all manner of the Star Wars cards, Return of the Jedi, Empire cards, all kinds of trading cards in a shoebox full, which accounted for most of the weight of the box. Um, I hope there's some in there you can use and enjoy. Several years ago, I took this box to a popular comic book store, and they were not interested at all. So I hope maybe you can trade them or get something for them. Whatever, I'm going to be collecting them. If you found my cards and you found Boba, and it's this refrigerator magnet that he made. He's, it's a refrigerator magnet. I made it at my sign shop, and it looks great. I stuck it on my refrigerator, and it looks fantastic. I'll take a picture of it and put it up on the Facebook group. Um, he put a Black Series Biker Scout in this thing, in this care package, a Star Wars care package. He says he has three. <laughs> they were on sale. Now he has two. Two is a nice round number. He sent Shmi. He says, I just love Shmi and her relationship with little Annie. I'm such a fan of the prequels. I love listening to you talk about them. You and I have so so many similar viewpoints on all things Star Wars, including how I feel about uh, The Force Awakens and Rogue One. Yeah, Rogue One. I've said about that. And he put a Jawa, a vintage Jawa in this thing, like little action figure, vintage Jawa action figure. He said, I love Jawas. My sweet mom made me a custom Halloween costume, and I wore it every year until I learned what the term high waters meant. <laughs> My dad made a custom belt with red LEDs on them, and I wore a wool ski mask to complete it. It was hot, itchy, and the electronics poked me in the, poked me in the forehead, but it was a glorious costume. I went a bit crazy <laughs> with the Jawa action figure and got seven of them when I was young. <clears throat> so they're very special to me. I wanted to give you one. So he's given me one of his childhood toys. Did he burn any of them? No, because we took care of our toys. But you, what you did is you removed the cloak and burned the cloak so you could reenact that whole scene. Um, and then finally he says, I feel like there was something else in that box. I can't seem to remember what, oh, well, let me tell you what it, what it was, Erish. on top of everything, as I open the box on top of everything in the box, there is a eight by 10, um, or eight by 11 piece of paper whereupon is printed a picture of, I guess what everyone is now thinking is my favorite Star Wars creature. But the thing that I loathe the Still most. Packer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I open this box of gloriousness, and I'm greeted by the dumbest thing ever in Star yes. Wars. Yes. <laughs> You're the best, Gorman. <laughs> so, <laughs> love it. Oh, man. So and just so I want to thank Norman for that. I appreciate it. Storm and Norman. It was, it was so, it was overly kind, and, and I greatly... That's quite the impressive box. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the steel pecker though, I was just like, I don't. Please don't send me your steel pecker, everybody. I don't need that at all. Um, everybody, you need to send Steve your steel peckers. Mm -mm, no, I don't. I don't yes. like that. Yes, Not flood a... <laughs> flood the Goliverse house. Mm -mm. No, I, I listen. That is the dumbest. Uh, a swarm of steel a swarm peckers of steel needs peckers. to befall Steve. It's like a it's like a science fiction Alfred Hitchcock movie. <laughs> it's like Alfred Hitchcock meets Star Wars. Steel peckers. They're all just pecking on your car. <laughs> They're poking on the coconut, apparently. <laughs> According to Yoda. Uh Still, still peckers no, those are the are sea seagulls. Well, still peckers are the seagulls of the Star Wars universe. Uh, we don't know that. Just flying around pecking everything. I think still peckers are like vastly misunderstood. They just want to eat their rusted metal and be left alone. Well, then eat the rusted metal. Don't sit there and look like a reject from the tiki room just poking at it the whole time. 
how are they going to eat the metal if they don't poke at it? Well, he wasn't eating anything. Break it up. There They're was, little birds. They got to break it up. There was nothing being broken in that scene. That He's was a, trying to break a piece off. That was a that was a ridiculous animatronic piece stop of crap that didn't being work. So mean to the steel pecker. Well, stop being so nice to it. How about that? I'm just fascinated by it. Oh, it just it it just I despise it so much. Like I've never been so so vitriolic had such vitriolic feelings toward anything fictional like that it just really irks me and they're just it's so irrational these feelings too and i recognize it's on screen for like five seconds yeah like pecks twice yeah and then it's gone i recognize that i recognize that but at the same time look i don't ask for much i just ask for them not to take Rejects I don't from ask. The, I don't ask for much either, except that all of the Geek Out Loud listeners send you steel packers. <laughs> Just do it via social media. There's do no it sense. via email. Mm-mm. Do it via boxes. There's no sense in all that. There's no sense in any of that. Mm-mm. There's plenty of sense in it. It will no. bring so much joy to my Mm-mm. life knowing that that is happening. I would rather you all just go over to Patreon <laughs> and become Patreon supporters at Patreon.com/slash/GeekOutLoud. We have a featured member. Its name is Steve Bennett. Well, before we get to Steve, I think you got to give Mr. Norman a big thank you so much. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you so much. Well, we, I mean, look, we, he's got us talking about the steel pecker for crying out loud. Look, I was over. I was blown away by by that box. Like I was like I was expecting a shmi because he told me he was going to be sending one. And the next thing I know, I've got trading cards to sort through. I've got uh, a, a biker scout to display. I've got a steel pecker to hang up somewhere. I mean, Christmas and spring. Yeah, it's crazy. I really do appreciate it. And uh, John Lowe, I've got to meet up with him over in Atlanta somewhere because he gra- he snagged me one of those cool posters from Celebration. Which one's the Last Jedi posters? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. I couldn't even get my hands on one of those. Those posters were sweet. So, yeah. So in the chat, Jeff Lane says, anger leads to hate. Hate leads to the steel pecker side. <laughs> so... <clears throat> Jess Becker says the steel pecker was better than the wrath tar. I don't know about that. I agree with that. So, I, mm, huh? I don't know. That's a that that'd be a good. We should do like a formal debate on steel pecker versus wrath tar. <laughs> and, See the way you feel about the steel pecker. Yeah. I feel about that weird little thing with the red eyes that just poked its head up out of the sand when, when BB-8 oh, not rolled at all. away. Not at all. That thing reminded Whatever me. Whatever that thing was. Mm-mm. I'm like, what? Like, how did this make it into the film? That thing reminded me so much of, um, like when you're just, when you do an exterior shot of Tatooine and the, and the thing sitting out there and slurps the, you know, slurps the little rat up, you know, or the, or the little womp rat scurry out of the way as you're headed into camp, Moss Eisley in the special edition or, you know, just little those all those all worked for me, but this thing didn't work for me. Then it totally. I thought when I saw that, I'm like, oh, that feels like Star Wars. There's just something randomly there, you know. And what is it? And um, and and honestly, Jakku felt the most Star Warsy of all the planets, not because of it was a desert, but because of things like the Steel Pecker just randomly being there and that little thing poking its head up. Why are we talking right. about Force Awakens again? Haven't we? Going over this a hundred times. Because you can't not talk about the steel pecker. I guess you know what? Guilty as charged. 
right, let's get back to Steve's favorite thing. They're all better than pork gullet. Uh, Borg gullet. We're not even going to get started on Bodie's one night stand with Borg gullet. It was not a one night stand. He didn't say, I I mean, I imagine that. Let's get it all. That that whole interaction probably took 20 to 30 minutes. Come on. Come on. Isn't that basically what a one night stand is? 20 to 30 minutes of interaction. Wow. All right. Um, I just. Swinging back around to, <laughs> I'm just trying to poke the bear to the featured supporter. I will put a ghost in your house. Um, no. <laughs> and just stop laughing. No. <laughs> We're going to swing back around our featured supporter at Patreon, Steve Bennett. He's an illustrious member of the superhero legion known as Team Steve. Steve has the ability to show up when and where it is the coolest for him to show up. Drive a celebrity for three hours to the airport? Steve Bennett. Run into the internet famous people while enjoying a trip with his wife and kids? Steve Bennett. Deceptively cool, smoother than Billy Dee in a sauna, and equipped with the power of persuasion that would make Professor X jealous. Steve doesn't have to fight crime. He just convinces it to stop in its tracks and turn itself in. Like a Jedi mind trick. Only better. Hashtag Team Steve. That's Steve Bennett, our featured supporter. Is he any relation to Miles Dyson Bennett? I, no, I hope not. Because they think the teeth one thousand. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Who played him? Didn't the guy who played him in the in the in the in the Terminator Two? Didn't that guy end up? Oh, he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he was in Smallville. I think. Yet. I think he was the guy. I think he played. Professor Hamilton in the first two episodes in the first two seasons of Smallville. Yes, he may have been. Hold on, with I gotta, some of my greatest, with one of the greatest moments of all time. In I just Smallville. love the way Arnold says, "Miles Dyson Bennett." Miles Dyson Bennett. Oh yeah, I wish I could do a good Arnold, but I can't. I think my southern. My, You're gifted in so many other impersonations, though. I think my southern. Um, Accent keeps me from being able to do good impersonations. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, this is the guy that he played in the first two seasons of Smallville as Professor Hamilton. Joe Morton. Yes, is the actor's name. Yes, and in in one of those episodes, he's like he he was going crazy, and he kidnaps Pete Ross, and he like he's kind of sweating, and he slaps his own forehead and wipes the sweat off and wipes it onto Pete Ross's head, and I'm like, that's weird. That's strange. Oh, you know, he is Cyborg's dad in the new Justice That's right. Movies. That's right. I saw, yes, from, you could see him briefly in Batman v Superman. Yep. That's true. And he was in Speed. He was one of the, uh, one of the SWAT guys in Speed. Oh, now that's going way back. You know, it's been yeah. since 1990-whatever that I've seen Speed. I love that movie, Speed. I, I did, too, for about it. That's me. I, I mean, I, it was one of those things that just became on constant rotation for a little while. And then, and then I was like, "Okay, I'm tired of this. I guess I need to go back and revisit it because I hadn't seen it in so long." It's he a, was in he was in American Gangster, the uh, the Ridley Scott picture with Denzel Washington and uh, Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. He's a great character actor. Yes, and I mean his IMDb list, ugh, it's just forever TV and movies. Yeah, he yeah, was, he's just one of those guys. You see his face and you instantly recognize yep. it. He was great in Smallville. Check him out. Derek and I are talking about Smallville every now and again 
on Stark. Yeah, Doctor Stephen Hamilton. He did uh, five episodes. Yep. And he slaps his forehead and wipes the sweat off and wiped it on the Pete Ross. It was really weird. On to Pete Ross's head. It was just this this moment. It's one of those moments. You know, whenever you watch anything with a good character actor, they'll always do something that kind of sticks out to you. Yeah. And um, and 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 kind of sticks with you sometimes. And that's what that's what he did. For um, I heard an interview with Kiefer Sutherland the other day. He was on Chris Jericho's podcast, and um, and he was talking about they were talking about some of the roles he did and some of the memorable things that he'd said. And to me, the most memorable thing that Kiefer Sutherland, the most memorable line of his ever in anything was from A Few Good Men when he's like, I have two books by my bedside, The Marine Code of Conduct and The King James Bible. I answer to my commanding officer and the Lord our God. Like I just, that delivery, I always tripped me out, that delivery of his. And I can't do it like he did. But it just was always funny to me. Un- unintentionally funny, I'm sure. So, well, Erish, um, let's see, that's the Patreon thing. If you want to support us at Patreon like Steve does, you can do so at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Uh, we also have at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com, but particularly geekoutonline.com, a lot of different links to different things. Um, the, uh, the Think Geek links are there. The Entertainment Earth links are there. The Amazon links are there. The Fandango links are there. But there's a couple of new ones that are over there. One I put just to see how it would do. Uh, we went ahead and went into business with these people because I know that in in the geekdom there's a lot of crafty people, and I know there's a lot of people with us that uh, that that do the crafts and do the sewing and do the knitting and all this kind of stuff. And uh, so there's a link to fabric.com at geekoutonline.com. And so if that's something you're interested in, check it out. Check out their prices and stuff. I, I had some people do some research for me who was into this, and they said the prices are pretty good when you go there for, for various things that they have. So uh, check it out if you're into any of that stuff and, um, and, and help out the shows by, by doing so. Um, Erish. Steve. Let's pass the corn. Let's do it, my brother. the core so the video intro of us doing this thing is is us doing like the old 70s cop show right and it shows there, us wait just, there's a video intro no i'm saying this is what we could do oh, and okay. and so we're dressed in like the 70s cop clothes you know with our guns drawn walking around and like just almost a montage of questioning people and you know different scenarios and everything and then it finally ends with us walking sitting down in a theater and literally passing the corn like, I like, you, that. like you think you're getting into, oh, this is going to be intense. And then, <laughs> boom, just two guys sitting in the theater passing the coin. And, and the, the other reason I like it, it's a little reminiscent to me of the old Siskel and Ebert opening. Yes, at the movies. Like them yeah. walking around Chicago and you'd see them at their respective papers and stuff. And then it ends with them in the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I do remember that vaguely. I miss those guys. Yes. Yeah, indeed. Um so Twitch is running an 18-day Mr. Rogers Neighborhood Marathon? Okay. This, this just in. What is Twitch? Is that the that's that platform where it's, people will play video games and stuff? I don't think they do they play video games? Every Twitch I've ever gone to has been like Sam Witwer on Twitch playing video games. 
but I but I I think it's a video. It's like a live stream video of him playing. Right. Exactly. Like I don't think I. I, and I may be completely wrong about this, no. but I don't think you actually go to Twitch no, no, to no. actually play the game. Right. I'm, I'm sorry. I My wording. Twitch, like, they have like an ESPN Sports Center show for like Call of Duty. Right. And exactly. stuff like that, yes. where they like analyze and talk about players right. and everything. I'm, yes. I miss. I miss. My my sentence structure was very poor in that instance. Yeah, it, we're too old for Twitch. Right. I, like, I, I don't think you can be on Twitch if you're, like, over 18. See, I don't know. That's what I'm saying is Sam Whitworth will every now and again blast out that he's playing. Like, the other day he did Dark Forces. And yeah, so he's come sitting on. down. Sam Whitworth's, like, the coolest dude on the planet. Well, okay. That's true. So, they're branching like, I, out. I, I had breakfast with my nephew the other morning, my oldest nephew, who is 16. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's all into this, you know, gaming and YouTubing and stuff like that. And... He was talking to me about Twitch and, you know, about how there's like, you know, like League of Legends and stuff where there's there's teams who are sponsored. and They all just live in a house together and just play video games all day because it's their training for the big tournaments that they do. Oh, and my God. How he thought it would be so awesome to be part of that and stuff. So. Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> Well, someone in the chat says they know a bunch of people over 30 who are on Twitch. Maybe it's over 40, Irish. Maybe it's us over Maybe. 40 crowd. I just know that I'm too old for yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I'll watch, like I say, I've watched Sam do like Dark Forces. He'll play some Star Wars. And he had, he had, um, I want to say he had David Collins doing some Force Unleashed stuff with him. Um, that would not surprise me. A couple of weeks back that I missed out on, but it was still something interesting. But we're not here to talk video games and Mr. Rogers on Twitch. That was just some breaking news that came across the desk. I thought I'd bring up that Twitch is branching out apparently from the video game stuff and and they're going to be live streaming some Mr. Rogers. So for everyone who thinks that they enjoyed that show as a child, there you go. You can check it out. But the truth be, uh, the truth of the matter is is we like the person of Mr. Rogers, not the show that he did. Um I don't know how to do this cuz it's been so long, Irish, but we'll try. You saw Fate of the Furious? Of course I saw Fate of the Furious. Yeah, I did not. You know I love my fast franchise. I know, and that's just not me. It was a uh, it was a worthy film in the franchise. I, I love the way... I'm not going to give away spoilers, uh, but I love the way it started, kind of got back to its roots. Got bogged down a little bit there in setting up who the new villain is, Charlize Theron's character and stuff, before it found its gear again. And you yeah, know, I see what you did there was zero to 60 seconds to the finish. Um, I, I have one little thing I need to rant about, okay. about the Fast franchise in general. They need to stop showing the end of the movie in the big trailer. They just, they got to stop. They don't need to do it to sell the movie. The movie makes a gazillion dollars on its opening weekend as it is. You know, they did it with with uh, Fast 6 where mm -hmm. they showed the, the plane at the at the the end of the trailer which was the end of the movie they did it with fast seven they did it again with this one with the submarine they keep showing the big huge action set piece from the end of the movie in the first big trailers that they're showing us and it's just driving me crazy they don't need to do it no you when you've got when you've got the uh the franchise power of this fast and the furious franchise going 
You re- you don't really need to show anything but a couple of cars driving fast down the road. A couple road. cars and Vin and Tyrese and Ludacris and you know your big stars. Future President uh, Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. So. Um, I guess Jason Statham like was amazing in this movie. Oh, was he? And and, and Helen Mirren has a little cup of coffee cameo and stole the entire movie. Hmm. Um, uh, just oh, I, I need to. They need the the whole talk is that they're spinning the Rock and Jason Statham's characters off into <laughs> their own movie, and I'm fine with that. Um, but I, I, Helen Mirren needs to be involved in that too. So on a much bigger role. So are you coming around and reinforcing that I need to catch up on this franchise? Yeah, yeah, it's a good franchise. And and here's the reason why especially with the new one with Fate of the Furious when Spectre came out. Mm-hmm. You know that I'm not a big fan of the new of the last few Bond movies. And one of my reasons for that is that I just feel like franchises like the Fast franchise are out bonding Bond. Mm-hmm. They're, they're doing the things that the Bond movies used to do. Well, with Fate of the Furious, they went full on Bond movie with this one. This is the bones of this movie is a James Bond movie. Uh, Charlize Theron's character, Cypher, is your classic Bond villain, like to a T. Even down to her plot is like straight out of a Bond movie. Um, Vin Diesel, in essence, is James Bond in this. Hmm. Kurt Russell's uh, nobody character—that is literally his name, nobody—is has basically become M. Um, so wait, y- Kurt. So this summer, Kurt Russell is in a movie, and his name is Nobody, and he's in another movie, and his name and is his name Ego. is Ego. Hmm. <laughs> All right, and only Kurt Russell can pull that off. To yes, make it work. Yep. Um, but they basically turned this Fast and Fr- Fast and Furious franchise into the new James Bond, hmm. without ever saying that they did. Without, without letting us know this was their plan. If it was their plan, it's brilliant because <clears throat> it, it's working. Yeah. All this new stuff that I mean, they took a movie that started that was basically Point Break, but with street racing, right. and they have now turned it into this global, international. We need to save the world over and over and over again franchise. You know, you just said something, and I have never ever, and this is going to make me seem stupider than I always do on this show. It has never dawned on me that, indeed, the very first Fast and the Furious was nothing but point break with fast cars. Oh, they, and they know that. Uh, there's um, the, the producer of the movie. I was just listening to him on, uh, on Bill Simmons' podcast recently, and he basically admitted it. I believe it was on that podcast. Well, I mean, Maybe it was in an article I read. I mean, they knew what they were doing, that, it was, that they were taking point break and just reimagining it. Well, right, right down to the uh, to an FBI agent, you know, getting sucked Infiltrating into Infiltrating the, the gang. Yeah. Instead and getting of becoming sucked a in. surfer, he's a racer. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I've never put that together. I, I guess I just hadn't thought enough about Fast and the Furious to do so, but... At the same time, I'm like, you know, they're they're fun popcorn movies yep. that you just you turn your brain off. Look, there's tons of ridiculousness in them, 
I, 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 this isn't spoiling it because you see it in the trailer for this again from you know the big set piece at the end but the rock is racing like a truck on tank tracks mm-hmm. i believe it was yeah um on an ice sheet and literally steps out of the vehicle while it's going to put his hands on a torpedo that is sliding next to him to redirect it. You know, it's like, come on. But it's awesome and it works. Well, he's the rock. Yes. I mean, he he had his, in, the, in Fast 7, he had his, he was in the hospital after getting beat up and thrown out a window by Jason Statham. He's in a hospital with his his entire arm in a in a heavy plaster cast, and then when he sees that the team needs him, he's like, he looks at his daughter. He's like, "Daddy's got to go to work." He gets out of bed and he literally flexes his muscle on his broken arm and breaks the cast off. Well, who is he? The Incredible Hulk? Pretty much, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He drove an ambulance off a bridge onto a drone to blow it up. Yes. That's wonderful. Um, then he took the Gatling gun off the drone, walked through the streets of Los Angeles with it, shooting bad guys' helicopter. You know, it's like, come on. This is just so over the top. It's ridiculous, but it works, and it's fun, and it's just silly. So I, I love them. And it, at their heart, it's all about family. Mm-hmm. family. And it's this amazing, diverse cast. Like, basically every both genders, every ethnicity is represented on this. You know, it's just, it, it's fun. It sounds to me like we need a Fast and the Furious Die Hard crossover. I would love that. John McClane meets John the McClane Fast and Furious. John McClane joins them? Oh yeah. my gosh, that would be amazing. <laughs> yes, it brings Sam L. Jackson along for the ride oh, to find yes. some way to include him. To include Zeus, or not even him as uh, as Zeus, but just as some other character, just some it random... It just boggles my mind that they haven't found a way to work Sam L. into this already, because what major franchise isn't he involved in in some way? That's true. That's true. And what major franchise does he not want to be involved in? That's the yeah, other question. I yeah, mean, come exactly. on. He loves it. Sam doesn't mind working. He loves to work. So, yeah. Well, I, I've not seen it, and every time I talk to you, I'm like... Uh, about him i really do sit there and think i should be back into i should go back and revisit this and 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 rediscover this franchise start with four yeah if you you could start with four Mm -hmm. um and just roll with it from there Hmm. that's what i've been told five is still the best five is the one in brazil where they're dragging the big bank vault around behind them that is still the best is that the first one with the rock yes Hmm. yeah um, but four, four is the one that you need to watch because four is the one where it starts setting up everything after it. I mean, this one had some major retconning in it like, yeah. and retconning might be the wrong word, but it, it, this again, back to Spectre, how, uh, how, um, Christopher, Christoph Waltz's character was like, oh, I'm the architect of all your pain. And, like, referencing stuff back to, like, the first Daniel Craig Bond was, movie. Was that your Christoph well, Waltz impersonation? Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah, the architect of all you being. Almost. Because, because that's just how silly it sounded. Sounded very me. Bob Dylan, like, I'm the architect of all you being. I just did not like Spectre. 
Um, but that's essentially what Charlize Theron's character is. She's the Christoph Waltz in this one to Dom. Nailed it. <laughs> Luke Skywalker, Texas Ranger, in chat says, nailed it. <laughs> I'm the architect of all your pain. I'm the architect of all your It is I, James, the architect of all your pain. <laughs> You sound like a like a villain from like some underdog cartoon from the nineteen fifties. Well, there you go. That's 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 how I, that's how he sounded to me in that. And look, I love Christoph Waltz, but just no, not in that Bond movie. Mm. The whole thing was just. Ugh, oh, I have boring. to re- I have to rewatch Spectre because I remember enjoying it, and um, but it 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 was not as memorable to me as Skyfall. Look Look how amazing Dave Bautista is in the two Guardians movies. Yes. We will get to volume mm-hmm. two in a few minutes. But he's, like, amazing in those. And in the Bond movie, he could not be more boring. Yeah. Well, he was... Um, and we know that that's not him. That's what's written on the page for him to do. Right. Yeah. Well, he's still Dave Bautista. I still... Yeah. He's still... He's still... Whenever I see him walk out in a suit, he's what inspires me to, like, I really need to lose weight so I can look that good in a suit. Gosh, he's a good looking man. He does look man. amazing in the suit in he that Bond a, movie. He, well, whenever he would walk out on WWE, in a, he's a good looking man. There's, that's all there is to it. Anyhow, all right. Um, now, this is something that was interesting to me because we were talking last night, and there's been this whole thing. There was even an article about it up on Slash Film that the cars, the new Cars 3 trailer is basically Rocky Four. And um, then I was talking to Derek about it. He's like, everyone's saying it's Rocky Four. It's actually Rocky Three. And so then I watched the trailer, and I'm like, well, I can see it's Rocky Three and a little bit of Rocky Four mix, but it's more Rocky Three, right down to a race on the beach. That's what I texted you yesterday. Yeah. I'm like, have you seen the Rocky Three, the Cars Three trailer? Because it's Rocky Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and not only the race on the beach, but the race on the beach with the red car and, and the yellow, yellow car. <laughs> That's right. I wonder if they're going to splash around and hug when when he finally wins. <laughs> oh, and, and I'm watching the I'm watching the Cars Three trailer the other night, and look, I was like really excited to see this because Cars One is easily in the top three Pixar movies for me. Mm-hmm. Cars Two is it, back and forth between that and the Good Dinosaur, just because dinosaurs farming still doesn't make any sense to me. Right, but. Those two are the, the two worst. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but that first trailer we got, what was it, like last summer, mm-hmm. early fall, that was just a real quick, like 30-second thing of the race the wreck, and how yeah. amazing it looked. And mm-hmm. it was like, wow. Mm-hmm. And it got me so excited for this. And then I saw this, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, they're doing Rocky three and four. It just, oh, it just completely deflated my hopes and excitement for this movie but see it's also a little <laughs> not because not because i don't like rocky three and four i just don't want to see rocky three and four again as a cars movie it also feels a little rock i mean to me it just is that classic story of how does the the hero that we've come to know and love overcome the odds of the new you know the tougher. well it's rocky four because they're pumping the um I can't think of the actor's name right now. Hold on, I'll bring it up right here. The guy who played the twins in uh, in the Social Network. Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wait, no. <laughs> Who would believe we are twins? Who believe we are twins? 
Um, Come see my new movie, Twins. I'm the architect of your suffering. <laughs> uh, not uh, not Army Why Hammer. Won't this let me bring this up? Are, are you talking about Army Hammer? Is yes, Jackson Storm? Army Hammer plays the new card. The Lone Ranger. Jackson, I know him as Jackson the Lone Ranger. Storm. Mm-hmm. Jackson Storm. Um, so he's basically the Ivan Drago. Right. You know, all the new technology building him and training him and everything. And then uh, uh, Lightning McQueen is our Rocky Balboa in this. Mm-hmm. Right. And so. I just – I figured from from that first initial thing it was going to be, you know, tragedy happens and he's got to come back. Over. I, I mean, I've always thought this was going to be a pretty straightforward story of Lightning McQueen just having to, you know, prove himself and believe in himself. Like it's going to come down to him believing in himself and proving himself and that sort of stuff. I feel like it's and not- I'm fine with that. I mean, in, in, in a lot of ways, you know, it's kind of what the first movie was, right? Was him being the cocky kid, like mm-hmm. needing to learn his lesson that, you know, it's not just about him. It's about the team and those around him and stuff. I'm fine with the hero learning their lesson to, to win in the end. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, uh, it's so obviously, and we're talking Pixar here who you know look, look they did three Toy Story movies that didn't steal from in my mind didn't steal from anything oh, else oh no you're I agree it just got yeah. better as they went along yeah but you know Monsters was fantastic mm-hmm. Wally, look at how I mean Wally was amazing like all these different they're just cons- Finding Nemo they're just consistently so good yeah well can I give why, can I give, why well, do you need to why do you, or in your words, pay homage by stealing the story from these other movies? Well, can I? That, that's what's irking me. Can I give a little bit of a cynical viewpoint, maybe on it? Yeah. And, and I'm not one to be cynical, but Cars is their best-selling property as far as merchandise and that sort of thing goes. It's the one. It's yeah, the it's one easy, movie that you, you still put out Hot Wheels versions yeah. of, the, of each character, and uh, and and then they can do each character different ways. And I mean, it's the one thing you still see on the shelves. Years after those movies, and not in a bad way, see on the shelves, but like they're still putting out new cars product on a regular basis. And I feel like that this is a movie that's more geared toward the young audience that's going to be going. Like, you know, I think, and, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but I do think that there's part of their 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 plan for cars that is let's make this the the thing that all the little kids are we know for sure that little kids are going to love and we don't have to you know we don't have to appease adults uh-huh. necessarily with this but see that's the thing that has always separated Pixar from everybody else putting out animated movies Pixar made movies that worked just as well for the adults attending them as they did for the kids mm-hmm. attending them yeah but I don't think there's anything wrong with saying here's the property we're going to make to sell more toys right but you can still do that and not steal the plot from rocky three and four well who says they're still in the plot or maybe well, it's certainly they do by this trailer they sent they put out that's what it looks like yeah i just see a typical story like and where a, was mater well that's my question is where is mater he's supposed to be the best friend but also i just see it as the typical comeback story like i don't think i mean that's yeah. a story that's not that you know that's not hard to tell and so you in that sense you could say it's the bad news bears or it's the it's the remember yep. the Titans, or you know, it's I any know, of these. But come on, red and yellow racing on the beach. <laughs> uh, do you think that? The, and, and look for all this ranting. I'm still going to go see the mm-hmm. movie. 
you know, it's they're still going to get my I'd, my I'd be interested to, to think. So I'd be interested to find out if anyone thought, oh, this is red and yellow racing down the beach. You know, that's what Rocky and Apollo were wearing, and. Their race on the beach. I did go back and and just double check mm-hmm. Rocky Three to see that they were wearing red and yellow. Oh, I could have told you what they were wearing on oh, the beach. Oh, I know you could have told yeah. me, but I had to go back and just double check to make sure that the argument in my head was correct. But I guess what I'm saying is, I wonder if anyone at Pixar was like, I can't imagine that it's this intentional thing. Oh no, they they had to have purposely done it. Well, then I, I mean, love look, it. Then I love it that much more. Alre- Lightning's already red, right? So there's no changing that. But, you know, they, they, at some point, somebody had to be like, okay, so the new guy, and I think the new, I think the yellow guy is actually voiced by Nathan Fillion, which I, I'm really excited about that. I thought the yellow um, guy was a girl. Oh, is it? Wait, who is he racing on the beach? I thought that was the girl who gets stuck in the beach, like the beach is eating me. Oh, okay. All right. Then I stand corrected. I think the guy that's trying to train him is Nathan Fillion. Mm-hmm. And that's it just real quick that's the other thing that kind of depresses me because if Paul Newman were still alive oh, like yeah. it would be it would be Doc right that would be training yes. him and it, it just makes me miss Paul mm-hmm. Newman. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that that instance. Let me let me pull but yeah, up. Yeah, they still got my money on this. Yeah. Let me see if this is 2 weeks ago. Would that have been the one from 2 weeks ago? Has it been that it long? It is the girl that he's racing on the beach. Yeah. Like I don't think we've seen Nathan Fillion's character, have we? Yeah, I don't think we've seen Nathan Fillion's character, have we? No, but we hear him in the trailer. Right, we hear him as as Lightning's looking at a picture of Doc. We hear him. We hear Nathan Fillion. He skypes with Mater at one point in this trailer. Um. Yeah, she's like a brand manager or something. Uh, why would they be racing? On the- the beach ate me. <laughs> see, I don't know. We'll see. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, yeah, I'm like you. I'll, I'll be there to see it. I haven't seen two yet. I've got to watch two. I have it here at the house, and I just haven't watched it. It was... Two is interesting. Hold on one second. Sorry, I'm still fighting off the concrud from like five years ago. Good night. Um... Two is interesting. Two is a James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they they turn him into they turn Mater into a secret agent. Yeah, you know it's got Michael Caine in it mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it was interesting that they tried to do such a drastic sea change with it and go in such a drastic different direction. I love that they swung for the fences on it. The problem was they completely struck out. It just does not work at all, and it is incredibly long. Yeah, it just misses all of the magic that worked in the first movie. Well, I um, like I say, I haven't seen it, and uh, I've got it here at the house, and I just haven't. I've only seen it once. Yeah. Um. So let's uh, let's get into some passive May. Yeah, let's get into May. I want to talk Guardians of the Galaxy with you. But let's hold off till after we've kind of walked through the main movies and stuff. And, and it's yeah, a, that way we can go into spoilers. Right. And if anybody hasn't seen the movie yet, they can just stop listening right. at that point. Yeah. So it's, not that we're asking you to stop listening, but you know. well, just we're, this is what we call in the business a spoiler alert for you. That coming up at the end of the show, we're going to be talking Guardians two, 
and we're not going to worry about spoilers. We're just going to talk about it. So deal so with it. We're we're recording this on Saturday, May thirteenth. Mm-hmm. So uh, basically, Guardians Volume Two that opened last weekend. That's that's the first big gun of May mm-hmm. that has hit. So coming into this weekend, we had the the two big movies that open this weekend. Our uh, first one is King Arthur, yeah, which is the Guy Ritchie-directed retelling mm-hmm. of the Arthurian legend starring Charlie Hunnam and Jude Law and Jaiman Hansu, as well as a bunch of others. Yeah, I love the uh, I love the Arthurian legend. I love it. Um, so do I. Uh, but the, but honestly, to see this the the previews of this, I've been back and forth on it. I just don't I don't know. So have I. IO9 put out a review early this week where they actually said that, you know what? This movie's better than it had any business being. Oh, wow. Much. Hmm, okay. Um, so that kind of opened my eyes a little bit. Uh, this was one I was not planning on seeing in the theater. Mm-hmm. That kind of piqued my interest a bit. And um, because, look, I liked, Guy, I liked some of Guy Ritchie's early films. <clears throat> I liked his... Um, I really loved the first Sherlock Holmes one he did. I wasn't yeah. crazy about the second one, mm-hmm. but I liked the first one. Um, and I, I like Charlie Hunnam. I've watched every episode of Sons of Anarchy. I like him a lot. I like him as Arthur in this. There's a lot of stuff that intrigued me about this. Right. Uh, I just was like, well, is it going to be any good? And so, you know, I think I'll I'll probably take a look at Rotten Tomatoes. Um, to see what kind of scores it's getting there. Actually, I can bring that up right now while we're talking. Well, um, in the chat right now, I've heard two people say it's awesome. That have seen it and said it's awesome? Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, that's great. Or one person said it's good, the other person says it's awesome. So, Okay. Um, yeah. I, I haven't looked at the IMDb. I never look at the IMDb scores of things. I guess I should start doing that and be more informed. I, you but, know, I generally don't. I generally make up my mind about movies... Um, well, it's only getting twenty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. That is not good. Well, I've got a we've got a really forgiving audience here at the Geek Out Loud. I mean, they listen to me, so come on. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> I'm like I can't say that about Steve. <laughs> I recognize. I recognize. So <laughs> Yeah. Thanks. Thanks everyone. Cri- on 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 uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the critics' consensus, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, piles mounds of modern action flash on an age-old tale and wipes out much of what made it a classic story in the first place. Yeah. Uh, but the audience score is 76% liked it. Okay. So well, that's not bad. Make up your mind. Is it 27% bad or 76% good? Come on, Rotten Tomatoes. Well, you know, the critics, man, they they yeah, jump on no. things. So, so this, I still may look, I'm definitely going to watch this on, on demand or Netflix or whatever, but I still may see this in the theater. Sure. I, um, yeah, I, I'm, I just like, I, I don't need a modern action spin put on the Arthurian legend for me. Um, I, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm perfectly okay with, um, the King Arthur legend being told as a classic fantasy type movie story. 
Right. And um, and so, and not that I'm against them doing however they want to do it. That's just what has not really appealed to me. Is I'm like, is this what is this? Is this supposed to be set in the post-apocalyptic world, or is this, you know, and and because that's the the trailers have always confused me. Watching these trailers have confused me since the first one, and I'm like, yeah, so. there's like giant elephants and stuff in mm-hmm. it, and yeah. It, there's there's some weird stuff going or not weird but things that don't necessarily mesh what I think of when I think of King Arthur. Yeah, it's stylized. It's very stylized. Well, and this isn't necessarily even King Arthur yet. This is I think their intention is that this is the first in a franchise because mm-hmm. it's all about having our franchises these days. Right. And so this is almost a prequel. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know that Lancelot is in this or you know any of the other classic King Arthur characters. I don't know that we're going to see his round table. I think this is like the young King Arthur and how he become. It probably ends with him being king. Mm. That's my guess. Um, but I think in I think this and our discussion of Cars Three, this touches on a bigger problem in Hollywood and we're going to see it as we go through the list and go through the anniversary movies. Hollywood is, I don't think they're necessarily bankrupt of original ideas. Mm -hmm. I think that they're not willing to take the risk on original ideas. Hmm. They would rather dump the cash into let's do a modern day action version of an ages old tale and King Arthur, or Let's do a modern-day action version of a successful syndicated TV show, i.e. Baywatch, and mm-hmm. we'll get to that in a minute. All right. You know, that's where they're putting their money, and it's across the board that we're seeing this. They're just – they're not willing to put money into original ideas anymore. Yeah. And and that – well, and what that means is, is we're going to go through this – and it's been this way, and it's been building to this point for it's a while. It's been this way for years. And But what that means is someone's going to come along with the original idea that blows us all away, hopefully. you know, And even if they have to get it made independently and it just becomes this force of nature, um, you know, that, that – the, uh, they're stunting – when you do this, I feel like you stunt popular culture growth. If I may, oh, most definitely, or development, I should say. Um, but I think where we're seeing those original ideas come into play is not a, a fresh, all new original idea. It's, I think we're seeing it come into play. Like I'm going to take the Marvel franchise mm-hmm. as an example, um, and not necessarily just the Marvel Studios films, but you look at like Deadpool. Deadpool took the the kind of getting boring and stayed X-Men movies and flipped it on its ear. We're going to do an R-rated movie with this guy. We're mm-hmm. going to make this an adult movie and it worked really, really well. Um, they turned around and did the same thing with Logan and turned out the best Wolverine movie we've had mm-hmm. by turning it into a, a more adult-themed R-rated movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that taking these things are is the way to go but i'm saying that that's where that's where the originality is coming in is that we're changing we're sticking with the state and true but we're changing the formula and how we're doing it right and, and we're, we're we're playing with the algorithm instead of creating an all new original idea right and the marvel studio films have kind of done like the captain america movies each of the captain america movies 
has changed in tone. Mm-hmm. You know, Winter Soldier, we had a more like 70s kind of thriller movie. Right. Guardians of the Galaxy was Star Wars, that big epic space opera adventure. You know, they that's where they've been kind of playing with the algorithms yeah. instead of Ant- just Ant-Man is kind of a comedy heist movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, you know, we still have our franchise. We st- and, and you know, there's some risk. Nobody expected Ant-Man to be as good as it was. Right. Um so they're still taking some risks there, but not as big as a risk as if, you know, Disney was just greenlighting a wholly 100% original thing featuring characters and story that nobody had ever heard of. Mm-hmm. But the problem there is that you just keep mining the same franchise over and over, i.e. Alien, and we'll get to that in a minute, or... You, you just keep mining like the the same bad TV shows and stuff and pumping all this money into a property that just in the end doesn't work and people right. aren't interested in. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, but at the end of the day, there's also, you mentioned, you know, taking these TV properties and doing that. There's a lot of original stuff that ends up happening on TV. And I think that that's where the original stuff is going mm-hmm. or that's where they're taking the chances. Right. And... I'll point out too right now that our my favorite two hours of television at the moment is Better Call Saul mm-hmm. and is Fargo. Yes. And if you're not watching the new season of Fargo, as soon as you're done listening to this episode, find it. It's you and, three or four episodes in. It is amazing. Ewan McGregor is doing amazing work on that show. He's got an Emmy nomination coming for this. but David Thewlis is as scary as you've ever seen him. And the rest of the cast yes. is uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, mm-hmm. who people recognize from 10 Cloverfield Lane. She's fantastic in this. Um, the woman who plays the ex-chief of police yes, is, oh my, she's blowing me away. <laughs> and she's the, awesome, uh, dude. I think it was the third or fourth episode where it's basically just, a, it's kind of a standalone episode her out in Los Angeles yes. was so so good. Yep. And nobody, it's it's so different from anything else else that's on TV. And, and it's the same showrunner that's doing Legion, and Legion was another show that is so different from anything that's on TV. Legion's taken me a minute. Legion, I, I haven't quite jumped on that whole Legion bandwagon yet. Um, it's because it's not. It's not the x-men thing that you you expect right you know it's not an x-men movie it's not crazy special effects and skimpy costumes and bad dialogue and stuff like that it's actually a show that you have to think about mm-hmm. well i mean i don't eh, i mean i wasn't expecting x-men but i was expecting that that first the pilot there's episode there's no talk of charles xavier well yeah i don't any need any of that that were completely familiar with and yeah. stuff and i don't need any of that but it's just the idea of that the pilot was very hard to follow for me i'm like no wait a minute what is this guy it was- i admit it was hard to follow is he crazy or right. is he like is this his powers right right and he doesn't even know mm-hmm. and that's part of the brilliance of it and yeah it is a difficult show to watch but it's a show that at 
it keeps it keeps moving forward and like once you find out who the big bad guy is i think is ingenious there's a lot of good stuff that happens in that show audrey plaza is amazing in it yes yep um, it's just, but it's a show that challenge the challenges the viewer, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of refreshing. Yeah. Um, and we're getting way off base. We are. But, we're getting way I off. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a theme that's going to fit throughout because all of this is going to sound very familiar. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> well, let's uh, let's move on as we roll through the month of May and what's coming down the line here. Uh, we we hadn't talked about Snatch, Amy Schumer. Is this is her and Goldie Hawn, um, and this do, is Goldie's first movie in a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it almost looks, in some ways, there's there's some moments that kind of remind me of *Romancing the Stone* when they're trying to get away from stuff. But it's more, I guess not. I guess it's more the trailer. I, can I see I, that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, the trailer I saw though is they end up running into basically it seems like a drug cartel of some sort and get yes. kidnapped and. <laughs> And well, basically, Amy, Amy Schumer is the daughter. Goldie Hawn is the mother. Right, right, right. Um, Amy had this vacation down in South America, Central America, um, planned with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend dumps her at the last minute. And so Amy basically convinces her mom, who is very – I need to plan everything out like a year in advance, like kind of uh, you know, not fly by the seat of my pants kind of woman – she convinces her to go along with her at the last minute. And then of course, hilarity mm-hmm. and hijinks ensue. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I don't know. I don't want to look, it's not going to be something I go to the movie theater and see. Yeah. Uh, neither with me. Um, I'm not the biggest Amy Schumer fan. Me either. I didn't want to say it out loud. I don't know what people think of her. I just know that I'm not a big I'm not going to be the biggest Amy Schumer proponent in the world. She just kind of, she's gotten to where she kind of gets on my nerves, to be honest with you. Me too. Me too. But I am a Goldie Hawn fan. And so when I see this movie, and again, this will be one, if I don't see it in the theater, and that's very unlikely that I will, I'll certainly see it on On Demand. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, I mean, I watched Office Christmas Party last night. I don't know why, but I did. <laughs> so if I'm going to watch that, I will certainly watch right. this one. Right. Um, it's also directed by Jonathan uh, Levine, who did The Night Before, mm-hmm. which was actually pretty good. That was the one with um, Seth Rogen and uh, <clears throat> Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Anthony Mackie, the three friends celebrating Christmas together. Mm-hmm. Michael Shannon was in that. Mindy Kaling. Um, I like that one. So the guy's got some talent. He did fifty fifty. I don't know. So, if the, I'm not familiar with fifty fifty. Fifty fifty was the one with uh, with Seth Rogen and um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, where Joseph Gordon-Levitt has uh, cancer. No, I don't remember that at all. And uh, Seth Rogen's like his best friend. Okay. And kind of the two of them, like, working together to help fight the cancer. All right. So fanboys. Yes. Except they're not breaking into George's house. They're not house. breaking into Lucasfilm. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Nice. It was a little, you know, movie made for, like, no money that uh, got decent reviews mm-hmm. and a little bit of buzz and stuff for the theme and everything. Okay. All right. 
All right. So then uh, next Friday, May 19th, we have – I was trying to count how many Alien movies there's been now. We oh. have Alien Covenant. So you've got your four originals. Right. Do you count – And Prometheus, Prometheus and then this one. And then so this that's one is, six. So do you throw in your Alien versus Predator? Yeah, because they're Alien movies. So, so there's, you got were there a- two of those? AVP. I think there were two of those. So this is our eighth Alien movie. Eighth Alien movie. Wow. Did we really need eight alien movies? I mean, have we learned anything new about them? Well, that's I guess that's my thing. Is as I is as I watch the trailer of this, I'm like, how is this different from Alien? Other than the fact that it's on a planet. Yeah. You know, this is not. You know, is this going to tell us how that alien wound up here, or you know, on on the ship? Or of course, I guess the mining people picked him up, didn't they? I don't know. This is just all very much like. It's teasing us that it's because this is a sequel. We're still we're still now in the prequel world, right? The Alien. Right. This is a sequel to Prometheus, but takes place before the original Alien. Right. There was a scene that was released online that um, kind of continues on from Prometheus with uh, I, I'm sorry, I forget the actress's name. Um, that left, that flew off in the ship with the android David. Never saw Prometheus, by the way. Okay. So I. Well, it basically shows the, the Michael Fassbender's android David. Like it shows, mm-hmm. it shows her repairing him, and then him putting her into the hypersleep chamber, and then they they arrive on some other planet, and it shows him like looking down from the ship at like you know the civilization below him. And that's kind of where that clip ends. Mm-hmm. So that might be like a prologue in this movie. Mm. So they're kind of teasing that you're going to find out some more stuff. Um, but then it's, you know, they're like, this is going to be, you know, we're going the horror route again. This is going to be as scary as Alien was. And, you know, there's it, been a lot of clips of like. In broad know, daylight. Scream, people screaming and running and getting their faces burned with acid and stuff yeah. like that. So the, the, all the classic alien stuff. I was intrigued by this until I read the io9 review earlier this week that just mm-hmm. eviscerated the movie. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess basically, my thing is basically said that for the first hour nothing happens. Right. Well, I guess my thing is exactly what you just said. What what do we learn? You know where where does the need for this movie come, and or from where does the need of this movie come? And and I just look at it. And I'm like, it, we don't need it. We don't need it. Um, this is not. Uh, why can't we be satisfied with Alien being the beginning of it all? You know, yeah. and then and then whatever they give us in the Alien versus and quite frankly, <coughs> Alien versus Predator. I didn't see the second one. The first one. My biggest problem with that is why is it happening on Earth? Why do we need it to happen on Earth? Let's just. Have the guts to do straight up aliens and predators, yeah, without the human element to it. And well, the other thing that disappoints me a little bit about this was, and we talked about this on the show a year or so ago when Mm -hmm. the news that Neil Blomkamp was working on a new alien project that basically would erase Alien 4, right? And that would uh, Alien 4, maybe even erase Alien 3. Mm But that was going to involve Ripley again. And, you know, that had alien fans really excited. That had me really intrigued. 
here's somebody who, you know, brought us something different with District 9. I kind of feel like his films since then have all been kind of clones mm-hmm. of District 9, or at least stylistically and, and art direction-wise been too similar to it. Really? Even but, I, Well, I guess Elysium was on Earth, huh? The Earth yeah, portion of it, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, it could have been... It could have been the city from District 9. Mm-hmm. Also, Elysium annoyed me because why didn't they just put those medical pods down on Earth? They would have solved all of their problems. They had like 75 of them up there on their little space ring where they probably only needed two or three. Just put them down on Earth, make the people down there healthy and happy, and all of your social political problems are solved. It just drove me crazy. Um but uh, but like I was intrigued by what he might do with it, and basically Ridley Scott would because there's still possibly another alien film coming after this one. He's basically killed Neil Blomkamp's thing, and it has come out in the last week or two in interviews that have been put out there saying that the Neil Blomkamp thing is dead because of these. Right. Wow. Is that? <clears throat> do you read that just as his pride, just being? <sighs> Maybe, yeah. you know, maybe the studios too. But again, it's also a practicality. Why do we need two different guys making alien movies at the sure. same time? So we have a chance to bring the originator, Ridley Scott, back to do his trilogy or this other guy. We're going to go with Ridley Scott. And you can't fault the studio. No, for no, 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 not not when you're talking about the original creator of the whole concept. Yeah, but. But I don't know. This one just doesn't have me. I mean, again, we're first three movies we're talking about here. Nothing's got me jumping off the seat of my pants to run to the theater to see it. Yeah, yeah. Me either. I mean, uh, to be honest right, with and you. Then, uh, sorry. No, I'm. I'm just saying. I, I completely agree. There's nothing. I've gone. I've jumped off my couch and gone and seen what I thought I'd go see this month. Is what I'm saying. I guess. Yep. Because I'm definitely not going to be walking going. Well, I take that back. I'm not going to be going to see Baywatch. I know that for a fact. Yeah, neither am I. But again, Bay, I, look, all of these are movies that I will watch in the comfort of my own home. Sure. You know, I will see it at some point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for all the ridiculousness in this Baywatch movie, there is stuff that has made me laugh. Um, it, it definitely <laughs> looks like they're doing what they did with the uh, 21 Jump Street movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where they they know what they are. They know that they're making uh, – they're having fun with an old TV property. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, like in the, the, the last Baywatch trailer I saw, you know, they're talking about how they were on lifeguard pursuit. And there's a cop like, there's no such thing as lifeguard pursuit. Just go save somebody from drowning. They're like, but there were drug dealers. They're like, that's a policeman's job. Like, you know, they're making – they um, are poking fun at themselves. Right, so right. that I kind of appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, it also looks like they're – and I never watched – I will readily – I'm aware of what Baywatch was. I never watched it. I didn't either. And, I never saw an episode I, of it. I certainly never watched the spinoff Baywatch Nights, which – basically turned the David Hasselhoff character into like a private eye who like worked the clubs at night or something like that. But it looks like that they're kind of working that into this a little bit too. That's um, funny. 
So if you can be tongue in cheek and like not take yourself too seriously, I think there's room for an entertaining movie here. Well, this is how out of touch I am as far as it pertains to Baywatch is I didn't realize until after, well after it had become a phenomenon and was almost done that it had been this huge phenomenon. Like I was just way out of touch during the mid nineties. Right. And, and so I was like, really, this was a thing people tuned in. This was a point of television. It was massive because it translated easily around the world. Sure. Right. <laughs> Don the ass a drowner. A, be- a beautiful woman in a tight red swimsuit running down the beach translates into every language sure. in the world. Sure. Now I actually may though So does a hot young guy. Mm-hmm. So you I know, don't well, mean to be sexist here about it. But come on. When Joey and when Joey and Chandler were watching it on Friends, we know what they were watching. Uh, yeah. Um but now then while I may not go out to see Baywatch, I may because I have been intrigued by the trailers, I'm not going to lie. I may, I may be glutton for punishment, but I may go see Pirates of the Caribbean. Dead man. This is no why you and I are brothers from another mother. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> this is the one on my list too that I'm like, do I re- do we really need a fifth Pirates movie? Yes, and then hmm, maybe we do. And then I'm like, but you know what? This looks kind of good. <laughs> yeah, and I like. You know, he's been chasing Johnny Depp this whole time and stuff. So I love Javier Javier Bardem. Yep. Yep. And and look, I will I will admit that. And here's here's my challenge to your music cue abilities. Mm -hmm. The Pirates of the Caribbean theme is one of my favorite movie themes of all time. Sure it is. That dun 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 dun. Yeah, it's just—it's so exciting. It just gets you all pumped and revved up and everything. It's right up there with John Williams' Raiders March for me. Really, they're that high? Yes. Huh. I don't know about it. That being you are the master. Yeah, I am. I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's some of Hans... Well, it wasn't even Hans Zimmer that began this whole thing musically. It was Klaus Bedelt. And, um, but between he and, and what Zimmer would do later, it's, I mean, it's, some of their, it's some of Zimmer's best work was what he did with the pirates. And, and you get the swords flashing back and forth. Yep. And like, you know, was it the second movie where they were on the water wheel that yes. was rolling through the jungle fighting yes. and the score playing and yep. stuff? It's just like, yes, this is awesome. Well, and I'll tell you that third movie to me has the best score of them all. There's just some amazing stuff done musically and and visually in the third movie. Um, I did see the fourth movie. I kind of forgot it. Though. I did. I, I kind of forgot it, but I don't remember hating it. You know. But I do appreciate that this one is picking up from the fourth movie because yes. the fourth movie ended with the pearl in the in the glass bottle. Yes. You yep. know Johnny out looking for the pearl. And we see the pearl in the glass bottle and trailers for this one. So it, it all is one big story that mm-hmm. they're telling. Yep. And apparently uh, we're going to get to see Orlando Bloom come back in this one, um, mm-hmm. doing his Davy Jones thing. And, uh, you know, hopefully he hasn't been disfigured by the sea the way Jones was and company. But there is a shot of him, a quick shot of him in trailer. It looks like he's got some barnacles on his face. Oh, does he? Mm-hmm. Didn't notice that. But there's a there's a new kid in this one too. I don't have his name in front of me here. He plays their son. 
Oh, really? Yeah, I believe wow. he's uh, he's uh, Will Young Will Turner's son. Wow, I didn't realize that. Um, and um, and uh, oh, what's her name? Why don't I have these things up in front of me Kira before we Knightley? start talking about? Yes, yeah, she is in this also. Shut up. Yep. They haven't shown her in trailers, but I saw somewhere confirmation that she was in it. I got to tell you. I don't you. know how big a role she's got, but. Right. I've missed her. I got to tell you. Yep. I've, I've missed Kira Knightley. So. Um, well, that's what's coming up this month. Let's talk about some anniversary stuff real quick and then get into Guardians. Uh, I, I kind of want to go backwards, but I just know we don't have a lot of time to talk about everything particularly well, look this is may 1977 right the 40th anniversary of a major major film exactly Smokey and, and if the you're Bandit. all listening to this podcast you know exactly that we're talking about Smokey, Smokey and the, and Bandit. the Bandit. eastbound and down loaded up, up and trucking <laughs> we're gonna do what they say can't be done got we got a long, long way to go, go. Oh, and a short time to get there. I love that. Movie. I'm eastbound. Just watch old bandit watch run. Bandit run. <laughs> <clears throat> so, oh. I, I just I just watched that movie maybe six months ago. Oh yeah, because it was rolling to the. It was on the cable circuit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's still so good. Yeah. There's a lot of dated stuff. Half of the stuff that Jackie Gleason says you could not say in a movie these days. Sure. Um, but I just love the scene where he looks at his son and he's like, when we get home, I'm going to punch your mama in the mouth. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's just so annoyed at how dumb his son is. <laughs> hey, a third you couldn't of the... say that in a movie today. Well, listen, a third of the things that, um, that uh, Bandit says you couldn't really say in the movies today. No. So, I mean, this no. was this was... This was Burt Reynolds at his best. Sally Fields, of course. Sally so. Field was uh, like just sexy and fun mm-hmm. in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole CB culture is just amazing to see because that really doesn't exist. If it does, it's like such a small thing now these days. Yeah. Shaz Bazaar in the chat makes a good point. It made Trans Am a huge hit. Would Kit have been a Trans Am had it not been for Smokey and the Bandit? Probably not. Yeah, exactly. So Night Rider, Night Rider owes its success to Smokey and the Bandit. Um, oh, but come on, that Trans Am was the coolest car going back then. Sure. Too. Well, with the Firebird on the front yeah. of it and the T top. That's classic, classic car. Now, I dare say maybe the Dukes of Hazard wouldn't have been a success without Smokey and the Bandit paving the way. Probably not. I think Smokey and the Bandit paved the way for a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Cannonball Run. <laughs> Definitely Cannonball Run. I mean, didn't they, they... Well, they did Smokey and the Bandit 2. Yes, yeah. Did they Did they do a 3? I don't... I don't know. Two, two, was 2 the one that brought uh, Dom DeLuise in with the elephant? That was that was Cannonball Run 2. No, no, no. It wasn't... No. Yes, that was Smokey and the Bandit 2. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Smokey and the Bandit 3. Uh, 1983. Yep. They did do a third one. Yeah, but I don't think... Um, mm. Wow. It, 
Okay, so the first one came out in 1977, and the third one, oh wait, 1983. Okay, that's yeah, 1983. Not that, that's not that far no, apart. No, no. I thought you said 93 for a minute. But it doesn't look like it's just got Jerry Reed. It's got Jerry Reed and Jackie Gleason in it, but no. Um, that was no when Burt Burns Reynolds. like, yeah, no, you can't afford me anymore. Yeah. So, um, but anyhow, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna go do Evening Shade instead. Mm-hmm. So that's not <laughs> you remember do you remember evening shade wasn't that his sitcom was that burt reynolds sitcom evening shade <laughs> wait burt reynolds what his sitcom come on hold on <laughs> it's not what you said <laughs> but that's not what i meant to say. look i got everything run together <laughs> turd ferguson <laughs> turd ferguson it's a funny name uh, well, that didn't run until 1990, sir. Was yeah, Evening yeah, that Shade? Was, later. That was, was Burt later. Reynolds? Was Burt Reynolds' sitcom Evening Shade? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, I actually saw that they're smoking the bandit is going to be playing in some theaters uh, like two days at the end of the month. Oh, really? To celebrate the 40th anniversary. Wow! Yeah, I think it's one of those Fathom Theater events. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that they do stuff like that. Yeah. So that was 1977. Um, yeah. Was that? Are we Are we going to talk about the other one? Uh, we need to at some point. And I'm not being a joking person there. I look Star Wars. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that you're not planning some big epic show for it or something like that. Well, I feel like what good does me doing an epic show for Star Wars do anybody but me? And um, because it's like the thing that's defined our lives. I understand that. Yeah, it's definitely the foundation of my geekdom. And I'm sure I, I was thinking about that last night. I'm like, I didn't do anything for May the 4th because I don't like May the 4th being Star Wars Day. That's a pun. But Star, yeah. but, but to me, actual Star Wars Day is May 25th. Yes. You know, the day it was released officially. So, Well, if you want to do something on May 25th, I am more than happy to come on and talk about Star Wars. We, may, we may have to do it. We may have to... We- we should just watch it and talk about it as we watch it. Just commentary that thing up. Well, there I do have a yeah, solo just, commentary up on the Patreon feed, um, but I would love to. Yeah, that'd be fun to do just something get like other that. People to call in, yes. our buddy Shaz, and so do. What day know? does what day does um the twenty fifth fall on this year? Now you're asking me to bring a calendar up. I've got it, man. Right now, uh, hold on. That's twelve days from now, which is probably a Wednesday. No, it's a Thursday. Here, wait a minute. I can figure it out just right here. It's a Thursday, because right. Friday is May 26th. I tell you what, that might be fun. I think we should just do it. The big like, live every- Geek Out Loud celebration. Yeah, get everybody in the chat mm-hmm. to bring it up. Like We time it so we all queue it up together and just have a big Star Wars A New Hope watch party. I'm down. All right, that's what's happening. We're, we're announcing it now. Everybody can watch whatever edition they want. Well... Really? I mean, we won't be entirely synced, but yeah, it should just be about celebrating the movie that you, the version you love the most. All right. Well, here we go. On Friday, May 25th, a time to be announced, we will be watching Star Wars together on Geek Out Loud. Thursday, May 25th. Thursday, May 25th, at a time to be determined, we will be watching <laughs> Star Wars on Geek Out Loud. <laughs> Along with Burt Reynolds' sitcom Evening Shade. <laughs> so- Except you didn't call it his sitcom. Listen, yes. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> Moving right along. 
35 years ago. <laughs> In 1982, what, Erich, what is best in life? <laughs> the lamentation of the, the lamentation. <laughs> Just skip right to the <laughs> To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of the women. Conan the Barbarian. Have you seen that song that they did? No. The lamentation of the women? Uh-uh. There is, there is a song that they use, like, the clips from the movie and they've turned it into a song about the lamentation of the women <laughs> uh, you know what I first watched that um, that another movie another movie with an amazing score by the way yeah I first watched that movie um it's been a few years ago like I had not seen it in a while yeah and, I haven't seen or it I had not ages. seen it at all I had not seen it at all and then I watched it a few and I'm like wow people like this movie like I was just sitting there, like, who, what, what is this? What? Well, I think too that thirty-five years ago, just Conan the Barbarian in, in general was bigger in our pop culture mm-hmm. than he is now. Let's see if I can hear. Let's see if this is. Another day, walking in circles, haunted by memories, I push on this wheel. I pray you found it. Grant me revenge and help me to answer the riddle of steel. A shy little boy, I couldn't protect them. Helpless and timid, as weak as a girl. They butchered my people, the dogs ate my father, my mother beheaded, they took my whole world. Come, where is the wizard who killed my mother? Still, I can recall his terrible gaze. Crom, where are the two snakes facing each other? Crom, if you're my god, show me the way. I'm on the path, chopping up bodies, hacking and slicing. <laughs> that, that wig James Earl Jones wore in the first part oh, of that movie. Oh, so bad. was terrible, yeah. Oh, so bad. Um, also, nineteen eighty May of nineteen eighty two, Mad Max two, The Road Warrior. I I literally just watched this before we came on. Oh yeah, how was it? I, I was flipping through the channels, and there it was. And I'm like, I knew it was on the list. I had to watch it. I still love it. Yeah, it's so good. I don't know that I've watched it all the way through. I think I was what I was doing a watch of those things, and I think I just kind of tapped out of during the first things? one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is like that 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 thing I posted on the the Facebook group. The Steam. <laughs> I think I tapped out in the first one. I think did his family die in the first one or the second one? Spoiler first alert. First one. Okay. First one. Yeah, I think when I like I got through that and I'm like I don't need to watch the second one. I I did not enjoy oh, the no, first the one. Oh no, the second enough. one is the best. The, the two to watch are the second one and then Fury Road. Yeah, I did They're watch both Fury Road. Fantastic. By the way, masterpieces of vehicular mayhem. Yeah, I did watch Fury Road. Um, and watching this one, it gave me an idea for how the Fast and Furious franchise has to end. Because in the road in the Road Warrior, like you know, it's all the cars and stuff, and they right. all have the NOS on mm-hmm, it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're cranking the NOS up as they're fighting each other. <laughs> the last one has to be Apocalypse of the Furious Fast. <laughs> that's how the Fast and Furious friend. That's where it winds up going in like the year twenty thirty. Apocalypse of the Furious Fast. 
and they basically go from being the the Bond franchise for a decade to turning into the new Road Warrior franchise. But now I'll and tell you Dom, what, Dom can be the humongous, be all old and just wear the hockey mask and like his little bikini briefs and just flex as he's talking <laughs> to everyone. Talk like Bane. But yes. now I'll tell you what, Mad Max franchise did give us this. Yeah, but that's from Mad Max 3. Come on, though. Come on. It's so It's Tina, man. The Raggedy Man. We don't need another hero. We're getting. We're beyond Thunderdome. So, um, and then there one is... One shall enter, one shall leave. There, oh, really? Um, yep. There is, and then finally, the aforementioned Rocky Three in nineteen eighty-two. I know. I didn't even think about it till just now, though. By the way, <laughs> um, gosh, this is the first Rocky movie I ever saw. Was was uh, same with me? Was Rocky I saw Three this in the theater? And yeah. this was my first. Taste I saw it on CBS. Of, this was my first taste of Hulk Hogan too. Thunderlips, the ultimate male. I'd never seen Hulk Hogan in anything before. And I was just like, he is amazing. No one had seen Hulk Hogan in anything before. That was his first thing that he did no, outside of wrestling. Like, not even wrestling. Oh, like, okay. I had, I had been watching wrestling, so I didn't know who Hulk Hogan was. Ethan, this is one of his favorite songs. I think it's one of everyone's favorite songs. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, the first time I saw this was on 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 CBS. My mom recorded. She's like, "I thought you'd like it. It has Hulk Hogan in it." And um, and I was just sucked in, man. Mr. T. Oh, and Mr. T. Too, because Mr. Mr. T. T. became this huge icon of the '80s. And so she's like, "Yeah, I know you like 18 Mr. T. And it's got Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. I think you'll like it." So well, and she, that's how I got into the Hulk Hogan stuff because he started hanging out with Hulk, right? And like he was doing the so I would. He'd be on wrestling on like mm-hmm. Saturday night's main event, and I would watch that. They had that classic Saturday Night Live together where they did the uh, the skit with Billy Crystal with this "You Look Marvelous" mm-hmm. character, where they were in the booth with him, and that was like kind of one of the pulp cult- pop culture moments of the year. Um, and so, because of Mr. T, that was my gateway into WWF. No. Oh. And wrestling nice. and Hulk Hogan and then, you know, JYD and Roddy Roddy Piper and all those guys that were the big stars back then. Yeah. Well, what's funny is is um, Hogan had left what was the WWF or the WWF to go uh, because he wanted to do Rocky Three and Vince McMahon Sr. didn't want him to. Right. And um, so he left. And he was actually wrestling in the AWA. And so Rocky Three happens, and then Hulkamania starts running wild in the AWA, and Vince, the son, brings Hulk back to New York, and then it's just on. Like, there's no stopping it for, yep. for several years. Um, the legend was born. All because of Rocky III. Um, now, you skipped over 1987 in your notes, so let me just give a few shout-outs here. Is this your Care Bears or Ernest? Well, is this where you drop one of them? No, this is where I drop Ishtar, which was a big deal back then. Um, a big deal simply because at the time it was the biggest movie flop in exactly. history. <laughs> exactly, it's worthy of mentioning because yeah. of that. Well, and at the time too, Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman, two of the biggest stars right. there were at the time. Yep. 
Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2 was uh, May of 1987. If it had been Beverly Hills Cop 1, I would have included it. Sure, sure. But 2 was kind of weak. Yeah, but the big two that came out of May of 1987 were The Chipmunk Adventure. See, I knew it was going to be something like that. Oh, that's a fantastic movie with some fantastic (laughs) songs. And uh, the original... Ernest movie. Ernest goes to camp. Was May of nineteen eighty seven. I knew there was going to be an Ernest. Movie yes, in of here course somewhere. there was. Why wouldn't there be? It's one of the greatest movies of all time. Ew. Oh, love that movie. So good. It's fantastic. Now moving right along. Nineteen ninety two. Uh, Twenty five years ago, Lethal Weapon three. Really. Uh, you know, I kind of I debated whether to put these on here, and I think I kind of put them on here because of the argument that we had, the or not the argument, the statement we made right. earlier about just devoid of any original ideas. So mm-hmm. this just shows that in 1992, like this nonsense was going on. Yeah, but you had, but these were tentpole. These were meant to be tentpole movies that were sequels of things that had been had become. I know, but it was like. Did we need Lethal Weapon 3? I think we needed a little more than we needed 4. That, this is definitely true. I mean, <laughs> if you this wanna, is definitely true. You know, at least Chris Rock, Chris Rock was in 4, right? Yeah. Your baby's having my baby! Um, yeah. Yeah, 3 was... Uh, who was the bad guy in 3? Was it Jet Li? Or was, <clears throat> I no, thought Jet, Jet Li was, was four. 4. Yeah. So who's the bad guy I in 3? I don't remember. I don't remember at all. I 2 was... Two was the South Americans with the Krugerrands. Is that it's just been revoked? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was two. What um, was three? Why can't I? I know they brought Joe Pesci back in three. Right. Black Whenever Market's Leo weapons operation involving, this is the internal affairs stuff. Arms dealer Jack Travis. Who played Jack Travis? Uh, Stuart Wilson, whoever that is. I thought Jack. I thought the arms dealer was the first one. Lethal Weapon Three, veteran police detective Murtaugh. No, is only days away from retiring when he and his tough partner. He was partner. days away from retiring exactly. in the first one. Um, May fifteenth, nineteen ninety-two. He's a former LAPD officer. Yeah, Joe Pesci has his blonde hair in this one. Let me see. Who is Stuart Wilson? Oh, this is the one that introduced Rene Russo to it, who was then like married to Mel Gibson. They re- they introduced Rene Russo in that one. I thought they did. Okay. I don't re- no because she wasn't in the second one. The second one, he was with the South American girl. Okay. And then Rene Russo came in the third one. Okay, right. yeah. Now I well recognize yeah. Jack Travis. Now, the guy who plays the bad guy, yeah, he played Don Raphael in, in one of the Zorro movies. He was the bad guy in one yeah. of the Zorro movies with yeah. Anthony Hopkins. All right, so... And then just to, to further our conversation about this, they mm-hmm. turned Lethal Weapon into a TV series this season. Oh, yeah. That got canceled, though, didn't it? Uh, if, if it... I have no idea. If it didn't, there's no justice. Yeah. Um, also in 92, May of 92, Alien 3. Yeah. This was yeah, a messed just, up one. Does this the one is this is where you get she wakes up. This is up. where Ripley died. Yeah, but she that wakes up that, that, and Newt's dead. Like the one yes. character that, you know, we loved I mean, we loved them all in, in Alien Newt 2. But, and Hicks. 
dead. And that's like one of the dumbest things you could have done. I'm like, I was watching, when I watched Alien 3, I'm like, what were they thinking? Yeah, and it was, they were dead because, like, you know, a piece of debris had, like, shot through the ship and through their sleep pods and killed them instantly. Stupid. So, like, their their, their deaths happened off screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a way to explain away why those actors weren't in the movie. Is this the one Ripley ends up on that planet, that prison planet situation? Yes, yes, okay. with, uh, with the guy from Rock. Yeah. And it, Charles S. Dutton, and she shaves her head. Yes, yes. And uh, this was actually one of David Fincher's first movies. Oh, okay. So stylistically, it's kind of interesting because it has that Fincher look to it. And also, this is the one where she dies in the end, too. Right. She well until you resurrection. Know, she's, she's on the she's on the bridge, that catwalk, and the, the thing bursts out of her chest and she grabs it and then falls off into the molten right. whatever was molten below her. Yeah. Mm hmm. Spoiler alert everybody. She pulls that she does a Terminator two. Yes. Gives the thumbs up and everything. <laughs> yeah. But then they brought but then but then in Alien Four she's back as a clone. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. With Winona Ryder. And All she, right, so 20 years, 1997. 20 years here's, ago, yeah, baby. Here's a couple original ideas that we need more of. Yeah, baby, yeah. Yeah, baby. Austin Powers. Do you feel horny, baby? <laughs> Randy. And, and as we say, here's an original idea that we make, we want, we need more of. <laughs> we, he wants to make an Austin Powers 4. Right. Yeah, but now isn't he hosting the gong show, though? Isn't He's, Mike Myers playing like some British... Game show host to host the new Gong Show. Is he really? Yeah. Like, is that where his career is gone? I hear it's pretty. It's supposed to be pretty funny. Well, I hope so. It's Will Arnett. Um, here we well, go. Anything with Will Arnett in it. This is from. It's produced by Will Arnett. After successfully rebooting several retro game shows, ABC is bringing back another classic, shiny floor competition series. The network has given a ten episode order to the Gong Show a new version of the Irreverent Talent Show competition, which is being executive produced by Will Arnett. Uh, every episode will feature non-traditionally talented performers plucked from the internet and put in front of a revolving panel of Hollywood judges. Um, as I understand, that in the Chuck Barris role of hosting things, um, Mike Myers is actually playing a character. All right. And, um, and I like be that. Doing that. Yeah. I'd rather see that than Austin Powers 4. Although I gotta say, all three of the Austin Powers movies were pretty good, and particularly I love the opening for Austin Powers Three, where it turns out that they're on the set of a Steven Spielberg yes. directed movie. Yes, love that with Tom Cruise playing mm -hmm. Austin. Mm -hmm. uh, but now you want to, and and even the, even though I can't say though it wasn't a, an original idea was Austin Powers, it was still a parody film. <coughs> you know, it was, but it was like. You know, it was funny and it was timely sure, and like yeah. the jokes were good and it just, you know, it, it knew what it was. Mm -hmm. You know, I just feel like every comedy these days has to like find like the gross out funny moment. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and this one, you know, it, it, you know, it had his, you know, like his nude scene where like she'd be holding up the fruit and the picture and everything, you know, it had funny stuff right, like right. that in it. Just randomly blowing up a balloon. <laughs> yeah. It was clever, funny stuff. 
uh, instead of just being crude humor. Basil, which... Basil exposition. Some <laughs> <a> man, baby. <laughs> Austin, that's my mother. Hmm. <laughs> Basil exposition. <laughs> and then, of course, that brought us to mole, moly mole. Um, <laughs> All right, this next one. Talk I about things. Look, Austin Powers knew what it was, um, but I'm I'm still not sure if I know what this is. The Fifth Element. Yeah. You don't know what the Fifth Element is. I've seen it. I still don't know if I know what it is though. With Bruce Willis. Yes, I know. What I'm saying is though, having watched it, knowing everyone that's in it, I still don't know if I know what it is. Oh, Steve. I love this movie. It's absolutely a- adore this movie. This is why I am excited next month for Valerian and the the, the City of a Thousand Planets or yeah. whatever it's called. Because I'm hoping Luke Besson is going to capture some of that magic in that that he had in the Fifth Element. Mm-hmm. I just love how over the top and like in some cases out of oh, come on tiny zeus liston is playing the president of like the galactic federation mm-hmm. you know tiny zeus liston um bruce willis is greatness the action is greatness the effects are greatness the the alien creatures what are they called the gorgons or whatever the bad guys like just look so cool their guns are awesome like the action set pieces are awesome um Oh, the guy who plays Ruby Rob, um, the comedian, I can't, from Friday. Oh, Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker is amazing in this. I just love this movie. It is. And I just feel like it's so different from so many other things that we get. Yeah. I listen. I don't disagree with that. It is. It is. But it's also, it's got that element of humor to it. It's got. It's definitely a movie from. It's definitely a sci-fi movie from the '90s, but at the same time, it's one I think that has a little bit more staying power than some other stuff that came out of the '90s. Um, yes, and uh, and it's still. It's I don't know. Like I still watch it. And I'm like, this is strange. I love that you're able to cue the music up from this too. Yes, sir. And this is another one that is because it's the 20th anniversary. It's getting, uh, and I, I think also because Valerian is coming out. Mm-hmm. They're giving this one a day or two theatrical release nice. also. Nice. It's deserving. It's deserving of it. This is I, this is one I never got to see on the big screen, but um, but I would you know, if I knew there was a if there was a showing near me, I'd probably go see this on the big screen. I would. I would. It's got that awesome chase in the beginning of the movie with like, yes. through the city with all the cars floating around. Yep. And yep. It's just like all the little like the cigarettes, how they're all filter and like a quarter of an inch tobacco on them. Just <laughs> like oh, the whole world that they built for this. I thought was so clever. Well, and uh, I'm trying to get to the point where the woman breaks down in the singing scene. <laughs> and Gary Oldman as the bad guy. Can't ever go wrong with Gary Oldman playing bad guy. Oh, heck yeah. He And Gary Oldman, I mean, once again, when you watch it, disappears into the bad guy situation. Yep. Uh, what, Mila Jovovich? Mila Jovovich. She is, you know, wow. As Lilo. Does her thing. Big time. Bruce Willis, you can't forget. So. L- Lilo Corbin, multi-pass. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that's the fifth element. And then The Lost World, Jurassic Park 2, was 97. Eh. Eh. Is it as good as the first one? No. But... I don't think it's as good as the third one. No, neither do I. And I think the third one is highly underrated. As do I. But the the thing I love about the second one is... It amped up the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, the first one was about we're, we're showing you dinosaurs for the first time. The second one is we're giving you dinosaurs. And we're bringing them to L.A. That's where it loses me. Yeah, me too. Um, but the stuff on the island I love. And the whole set piece with the Winnebago going over the side of the cliff. Yep. I think is one of the most suspenseful things Spielberg has ever directed. And it's and and to be fair, it is iconic. It's it's one of the most iconic things to come out of that franchise, um, uh, out of the sequels of that franchise. Is is that whole scene with that stuff with with that with that segment with the T Rex going after the trailer and all. Yep, and just the the trailer over the side, yep. and then her being on the glass and the glass starting to crack, yes. and break, and yep. oh, it's just all that so whole sequence, good. yeah. Good yep. stuff. Good stuff. Um, 2002 was a big year, man. About a boy, really. I love About a Boy. Mm-hmm. I, it's one of my favorite Hugh Grant movies. Okay. Uh, I, it's like just a guilty little pleasure. Sure. Not even a guilty pleasure. Not, no, I just no, think it's a really solid movie. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't. I don't. I don't fault you for that. I'm just saying I was kind of surprised to see it there. Uh, this is Spider Man. Uh, Sam Raimi Spider Man hits theaters, and this was a big deal, man. This was. It wasn't Spider-Man coming in 2002 was not as big a deal as the 1989 Batman, but it it got close, I think. It was pretty high. Yeah, it it got close. It was a big deal. Um and and I don't know that it disappointed um then for audiences in 2002. I think it would disappoint today, but I don't think it dis- it didn't disappoint me in 2002. Outside I just of the, want to point out a little thing about about a boy. Chris mm-hmm. White's was a director on that. Yeah, he was one of the writers on Rogue One. Oh, nice! Look at that crap. Look, you don't have to defend it to me. I was just kind of look. I'm just I'm not defending it. I'm just pointing out a little thing. You rolled your eyes at Chipmunk Adventure in 1987. I did. I did. <laughs> and actually, I shouldn't have because I do remember that, and it was a fun movie. Yeah, it was. It was great. It was in the height of the chipmunk's popularity in the yep. 80s. Um, but Spider-Man, I was not disappointed by Spider-Man at all. I didn't like the Green no, Goblin outfit. the first outfit. one was great. Mm-hmm. The second one was even better than the first one. Yes. But, but then, then the third one was yeah, garbage. Then 10 years and, ago and, in 2007, in May of 2007, yeah. Spider-Man 3. And, and I cannot defend the third one. I used to, and I and I just can't anymore. No. Um, it's just... Come on, just the whole jazz club sequence it's not even that reason, yeah it's, it's reason to hate that movie it's not even that it's just the movie's very disjointed it's not a very well put together the sandman stuff is incredible when, that was when everybody was like we have to cram more than one villain into our superhero movie exactly 
and yep. they all have to have origins mm-hmm. and we have to be able to empathize with them or know why they turned into the villain mm-hmm. and stuff. I'm sorry, you're reading the comic book and the rhino just shows up and wrecks stuff and Spider-Man has to fight him and then it's over and he moves on with his life. Why can't you do that in the movies? Well, the Sandman stuff was gorgeous in this movie. Like, it was done very well in Spider-Man yeah, 3. Yeah, but, but the Venom stuff was The Venom stuff horrible. was, you can't take, well, my thing is, is you can't take a character like Venom and throw him away like that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not even a big fan of Venom. But also in 2002, I remember uh, Craig Kilborn, he was doing the, the Late Show. Yep. And um, he yeah, used to. A lot do, of people forget that that was his show. He used to do a show. Well, he, was, he did The Daily Show before Jon Stewart. Yeah. Um, but he did, a, he did a segment called um, Dear So and So or something. And, and so it was Dear Spider Man. It's been great knowing you. Uh, you're doing fantastic, uh, but next week Attack of the Clones comes out and we'll all forget about you. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, Attack of the Clones uh, hit theaters not long after Spider-Man did. And uh, The weakest of the Star Wars movies, in my opinion, but yes. I love it. But I love it. It gave no, us Yoda. That, that, that's the one that I can't watch anymore. Yeah. Well, listen, it's worth fast-forwarding to Yoda and Dooku. That's a great segment. Yeah, I mean, that's basically the, the Geonosis battle to yep. the end i can watch sure um but everything that leads up to that i just can't watch yeah it's good stuff um i like it though i still love it uh you said for you nothing jumped out in 2007 i'll just mention really quickly also in 2007 not only spider-man 3 in may of 27 but pirates at world's end pirates 3 was in may of 2007 um, yeah i kind of figured but that, and I that thought i thought about it that one, I, I know it closed out the, the trilogy. It it was just so bloated at that point, yeah. though. Yeah. There is so much going on in that movie. I liked it better. Isn't like, that the one that has the whole weird... Yeah, that's the one where Johnny's talking to himself well, throughout he's the dead. movie. Yeah, well, he had died, and he jumped into the Kraken's mouth at the yeah, end of the second one. Yeah, it's that whole weird thing with the crabs mm-hmm. on the white sand beach. Yep, yep. Yeah, and the battle scene at the end takes like forever. I, it was an awesome battle scene to me. It was, it was, but it just—it's so I don't know. Yeah, I li- look, I, I I watched the battle scene again the other day as I was flipping channels. So yeah, I mean, look, I'm I just uh, it. My thing is, is I think they made a mistake in some ways in doing two and three at the same time. Um. Or picking, there was a several mistakes I felt like that were made, um, but like to me, you, when, that, when you kill the kraken off screen, there's a problem. Yeah, and, and also the story was was fairly simple in the first one, and with two and three, I just felt like the story got way too big. Yeah, yeah. You know, it it, it stopped being just about this pirate. Mm-hmm. And it started being about like you know trying to destroy all pirates, and now there's like the pirates guild and like factions of pirates from all around the world and everything, and it just got so immense and so many characters and so much going on, and you've got an A plot, a B plot, a C plot, a D plot, like just way way too big. Yeah, I I can't disagree with that at all with with those last two pirates movies, but. And look, to be honest with you, there there was movies in a lot of these 
there there are plenty more movies that we could have added to this list. I'm mm-hmm. just, for me, I just started trying to narrow down to trying to. It either has a, a specific importance to me or a specific importance to like our pop culture, our geek out loud culture kind of thing. And I know, and, and that's why I appreciate that you're adding Ernest and chipmunks and stuff to it also, but that's why I didn't have pirates three on sure. here because there, there wasn't anything specific about that movie that stood out to me and different. And I knew that we were going to be talking about pirates in general mm-hmm. with the fifth one coming out this month. So, well, it was, I mean, That's, it was meant was to be, sure, it was meant to be the end of that franchise for all intents and purposes, I mean, to all of us, and, and it was not, th- those last two movies were not that well received. Um, they still made money. They still made a lot of money. Which is why we got Pirates 4. Exactly. And that made money, which is why we're getting Pirates 5. Yep, which looks to be better than 4, so we'll see. I hope so. We'll be there. Well, Ares, let's, um... Let's talk about Guardians. Well, let's give everybody... Uh, this is your spoiler warning. You dare skip it, your spoiler warning. Because I don't want to keep saying ha- spoiler if alert. If you haven't seen the movie, now is your last chance. Because I'm going to tell you what the ending was in 5, 4, <laughs> 3, 2, 1. They all die. Oh, man. Um, you should be playing Break the Chain, though. Oh, I'm sorry. Because we are talking Volume 2. And well, that this was, was kind of the theme of the movie. Well, Fox on the Run was in Volume 2. Was it? Yeah. I remember it being in the trailer. Yeah. Are you getting uh, your Are you getting your stuff confused? Yes, I am. It's all running. It's, it's all so sweet. Listen, I've never cared for this song, but the way it kicked in in the movie was great. It worked really well in the movie. Oh. When I first heard it in the trailer, I'm like, oh, really, Fleetwood Mac? But just thematically, it worked so well yes. in the movie. Yes, it did. Oh, gosh. What did you think? Okay, overall, and, and look, we've gone so long, but that's fine. I don't care. I've got nothing else going on. Um, <laughs> Neither do I. So I'm sorry to hold you up. You could just break the Guardians part into its own separate pod. Yeah, we could do that, couldn't we? But I won't. Um the, what did I think of it? Yeah, what would you think overall? All right, this was the movie that I am, was most looking forward to this mm-hmm. year. Sure. Um, Guardians Volume 1 is my favorite Marvel movie by far, without a doubt. Nothing else even comes close. Mm-hmm. Um, so between the lofty height that I've placed Volume 1 on and mm-hmm. my expectations for Volume 2 – there was almost no way that it was going to live up to that. Certainly. certainly. Um, and it didn't. Right. Um, but I still really like this movie, and I still really want to see this movie like 15 more times. Agreed. Agreed. Because I feel like I feel like there's a lot I missed, and part of that kind of annoys me because I feel like I feel like this was a deep dive into heavy Marvel space lore. And I didn't get and I'm not that familiar with all of it. And that's part of the reason I loved volume one, because it was all kind of fresh and new to me. And it also just felt like Star Wars to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this one, you know, like Sly Stallone's character, I had no idea who he was. Oh, my gosh. I'm the, blown away that the, they did that. 
the gold people, I had no idea who they were. Fantastic. You know, it like all that's I really did I ego. I you know, I knew who he was just because I read about him sure. before the movie, but I don't know him from the comics. Fantastic. So like all of that stuff it worked for me because it was new and fresh, but at the same time I didn't know anything I didn't know who it was, so I went home and immediately had to start digging stuff up and doing homework. Well, okay. First of all, uh, I agree with everything you said, except for when, until you got to the deep dive into the Marvel, because I did know a lot and of that. And you stuff. know that better than I. Um, do. So, so there was that part of me loved it. The, uh, there was one. There was only one thing I wanted out of this movie, and when I found out that Kurt Russell was ego, there was only one thing I wanted, and that was for him to literally be the planet, and and to see a planet with a face. And it actually worked. And when we got that, I was like, I've, this movie has made me happy. I feel like... I was really surprised at how well that worked. Oh, man, I loved it. I feel like this movie did a great job of um, of doing something that I don't know the rest of the Marvel movies have done, and that is unencumber itself from the origin stuff. Like, even in Iron Man 2, when you're introducing other characters and stuff, they go into the origins, the villain, like you like you talked about with Spider-Man 3. They get into the villain origins, and they get into this. I don't know that any other Marvel movie has done as well as this one did of saying, all right, here we go. You know you know us already. Maybe Iron Man 3. And even in Iron Man 3, you were, you, you, were, you got bogged down into the, into the stuff with this dude, you know, with the, uh, with what's-his-face, Killian, doing his thing. Um, and, and so I just really was like, we're just meeting back up with our friends, and we're moving forward in this story. Yeah. Now. And that made it feel to me, it made it feel, I'm not saying that it is, I have made the statement that it was, but I don't know that, that's a cor- that this is a correct statement, but it made me feel like this story was a little bit more straightforward than the story of the first one. You know, the first one of them coming together, and it's like this orb, right. and it becomes the, you know, the orb becomes the uh, the MacGuffin of the whole movie, and this, it becomes, there's not, there's not really a MacGuffin. It's just kind of, it's the story of Peter Quill and his dad. Well, I mean, Peter could be the MacGuffin. In a lot of ways, sure, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think that kind of makes sense, because with the, with volume one, you have to introduce all five of the Guardians. Right. And you have to introduce the villain. And you kind of have to introduce the, the universe that they're in. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this one, we get to start off. We already know who our five Guardians are. Uh, you know, so you can just dive right into that <clears throat> awesome opening action set piece with them. <laughs> uh, Which was awesome, by the way. <laughs> Then we know who Nebula is, mm-hmm. so you yep. don't have to introduce her and why she's in shackles and being traded to them. Um, you don't have to introduce who the Ravagers are. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, you really just have to introduce who Ego is, and you can do that slowly as part of your plot for the movie as he's introducing himself to his long-lost son. Yes. Well, I also like the fact that, Eric, I didn't know, like, as I'm watching this whole thing, I'm sitting there through the first two-thirds, maybe, and as we're meeting Ego and we're interacting with him, I'm like, I know I don't trust him because Ego in the comics was never good. But at the same time, he's really pulling me in, and and I kind of trust him. So where's the threat? Like, I kept waiting on the threat to show up. I thought the threat was going to be Gamora 
because there's the scene where Drax and Mantis have their moment sitting on the steps outside the door Mm -hmm. and you know if Drax is telling Mantis about his his wife and daughter and she touches him and then she is about to tell him something and the door opens and Gamora comes out and she shuts yes, up. Yes, yeah. I thought that she was going to tell him that Gamora was the one who killed his wife and daughter. Mm. I, I and, and then she's weird around Gamora for like the next couple scenes. And I thought that that's where they were going with it because they were already – they had already established tension within the Guardians family. Right. And so I'm like, oh, no, they're not going to do this. And it would have been plausible, Gamora being Thanos' daughter, that this might have been something that Thanos had – you know, she was part of the invasion or whatever it was that killed Drax's people and his family, that she might have done this. And I'm just like, they can't, if they do this, it's going to destroy me. Mm-hmm. And that's where I thought it was going until then we get to turn and we start – we have that moment with Peter and Ego – where we see his plan unfurled. Right. And then it's like, okay, you know, and then Mantis is telling them at the same time that Ego is telling Peter. But and it's, I was like, Whew. and But there was a great punch. There was the great punch of not only his plan unfurling of, you know, being all yeah. over, being the whole universe, but then when it's like, it really hurt me to have to put that tumor in your mother's brain. Yeah, it's like dumbass. And you that's, had your son <laughs> until that point. And that's when it's just like, oh, now I really that, hate you. But you crush the tape too. Yes. You know he destroyed his. Oh walk, yes. The last yes. thing that his mother had given him because yep. he lost volume one mm-hmm. at the end of volume one. So this is all he has left from his mother. Had he lost so volume destro- one? Yeah, because the whole ship got destroyed. Yeah, but I thought the stereo survived. They rebuilt the they rebuilt the ship, mm-hmm. and then he opened up the uh, he opened the present that he hadn't opened, and that right. was the volume two tape inside it, and that's what he was listening to. Yeah, but I'm saying I thought that the that the ooh child things are going to get eat was actually I think playing. That, that was actually a song from the volume two tape, even though it was on the volume one soundtrack that we all bought. But he was singing it. At the end of the first one, that's what he does his dance mix to, or his dance his dance competition. Oh, that's right. Okay. So I didn't think that Volume One had gotten destroyed. Right. I thought Volume One had been destroyed. But I the stand, stand corrected. Sure, but still, the whole idea of sure you're wrong. No. <laughs> but still, it's that. You know, he destroys this piece. So it's one of two pieces that he right. still has from his mother. So he destroys that just nonchalantly. And then he's like, oh, yeah, and I hated putting the tumor in your mom's head. Oh, gosh. And even the way he says that is so, like, uncaring. Yep. Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm saying is it goes from being, oh, no, this is a grave threat to it's personal. And not just personal yep. for Peter, but personal for the audience. Yeah, so I'm, I pulled up the movie real quick, Erish, and, and the tape survived the crash. The, okay. Yeah. So the volume mix one. So anyhow, yeah, that's the thing is it it became personal for the audience because that's when I was like, oh, I hate this guy terribly so. Yeah. And um, 
And it was just, it was a fantastic turn because honestly, for two thirds of the movie, I was waiting on the threat to show up. I'm like, now what is it that's threatening Ego that he needs Peter for? What is it, you know, that's, you know, I knew he wouldn't, he couldn't be fully trusted. I felt like he was more of a Lando character than a straight up, you know, evil douchebag. But, Mm -hmm. um, but I, but I was like, oh man, this has been so good. What in the world could the threat be, you know? And, and uh, are they going to surprise us with Thanos right out of the gate? And you know, and, and 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 then when it was him, I'm like, oh, they tricked me, and he tricked me, and I hate him for it. Um, but but the other beautiful thing that his threat reveal does is it vindicates Yandu at the same time. Yes, because yep. at the beginning of the movie, we you know we get the bit from Sly Stallone about how Yandu's been basically banished from the Ravagers. Mm-hmm. Because of the stuff that he was doing, you know, selling the kids. Then throughout the movie, we get it both from Peter and from Yandu that the reason Yandu didn't deliver Peter to Ego was that he was small and could get through tight spaces for thieving. Yeah. But then we find out the real reason he didn't do it was he found out what Ego was doing to the kids and he couldn't – just his conscience would not allow him to deliver another kid that that Ego was going to kill. Right. And then he got attached to Peter. Yes. Then he got attached to him. Yeah. And, and that, he has that great line at the end about how he may not he may not be his father. But I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> May not be your father, but I'm your daddy. Right. Well, no, and anyone can be your father, but he the, he might he's huh? what he says about ego is he might have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy, son. Yeah, implying yeah. that I was your dad. Right. Who's your dad? But that's that was basically where the tears just started falling. Oh, for me. so good. Um. Now, as it took me a minute to realize, and I actually I gotta say this, I did think of you when he said that he was Mary Poppins. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Oh, yeah, Steve's going to love that. Steve I just and thought it was, will love that. Well, I just thought it was a hilarious line. I just, that was, a, is he cool? And Peter's like, yeah, he's cool. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> just, <laughs> it was so beautiful delivery. Um, it, the You mentioned the opening scene, and, and I'm telling you, in the comics, this version of the Guardians were that what they were doing what who they were 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 they were the guardians of the galaxy when there were interdimensional breaches like the whole series opened up with the internet interdimensional breaches they'd be sent off to go close them up and they would fight together to to fight off whatever had come through them and that's Wait, what the peter quill yeah peter guardians? yeah the peter quill guardians and everything yeah okay. back in the back after the annihilation stuff and so yeah so peter quill and gamora and drax and all them they were doing that and and now they were in touch with Cosmo, who was kind of running things from nowhere, um, and and Mantis at the time. I mean, they were already the, the whole team was already I- involved in doing that. So for the whole thing to open up with them fighting off an interdimensional threat was just really cool to me. I'm like, well played. And then with them, and then with Groot, Baby Groot just running around the whole time. Okay, the Baby Groot dance thing was great because one, it's an it's. Going back to Volume One mm-hmm. with that awesome opening credit sequence with Peter dancing, yes, yes. throughout the temple, yes. Um, and two, just uh, Baby Groot is so cute and dancing, and the way he just like wave to Gamora, <laughs> and then when Drax is behind him, how he just freezes, yeah, it won't move until Drax gets up and goes away. And also, I love that 
here's this big, huge action, action sequence, and you have the testicular fortitude to turn it into Baby Groot dancing during your opening credits. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. It was great. And then the, and then the end of that, where, where well, when, when Drax jumps in to take him in from the, to take the thing out from the inside, and they're like, his skin's going to be just as tough on the inside as it is the outside. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, I know. And so Gamora does pull out her sword, and she does the whole thing of gutting it. And when Drax comes, like, yes, I single-handedly defeated the monster. <laughs> So good, um, and and that brought into us the whole. Uh, oh, what are the gold people? What are they called? The sovereign. The sovereign, yeah. And that's how we get. I mean, it, like in the fact though that they used this whole thing starts the whole sequence of events that leads us into how we're eventually win the day. You know, yep. it, it was just I thought it was really good storytelling. And and just so much fun. Um, the Sovereign was interesting to me because of the video game aspect of it all. Uh, the arcade, like they're the, basically their their fleet is run via arcade. Almost the what? The, the, I agree. It was interesting and it was fun, but it also took it took some threat out of it too. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, what, once you realize what's going on, it's like, oh, they're just all, like, just drones. Yeah, but that's the but they would do that. That's the kind of people that would do that. Like, well, we're too good to get our yeah. hands actually dirty. You know, and, and they get more concerned about the cost of the equipment and everything. Right. Um, uh, but I dug that, and someone even pointed out that their attack formation was like Galaga. Like, when the people come, when the ships come up on Galaga, yeah. I saw that pointed I out. I could see that, yeah. Um. You you get from that, but here's the thing that just as a full on Marvel zombie just geeked me out to no end, and that is when I realized that that uh, Yondu was calling Stallone Stakar. I'm like, what is he calling him? What is he calling him? And when I realized it was Stakar, I'm like, my Lanta, he's freaking Starhawk, um, and that was. The or- from the original like future the original guardians of the right. galaxy right he was from the original guardians of the galaxy and in fact in the 90s in that whole thing stakar was actually joined with his wife physically and so they would switch back and forth between their bodies would switch back and forth and stuff it was this whole weird thing that would go on but then michael rosenbaum was sitting there next to him and i'm like man that looks like mart is that martin x and sure enough Michael Rosenbaum, the silvery guy, the silvery guy is Martin X, and and he's someone from the original. And so then at the end, when they're doing the big Ravager funeral, and there's all these people sitting around talking to him, all of a sudden all the cameos start showing. Those up. Cameo- Michelle Yeoh and Ving Rhames, right, right, and and they were, and they were all members of the original Guardians, and that's, that's who they're cool. supposed to be. And I'm like, my God, oh my God. This is amazing. I was just like so geeking out. And um, and I'm like, I don't know if this is right. And like I had to double check because I'm like, surely they're not doing this. Surely they're not. Do- and surely they were. And I was absolutely all for it. Charlie 27. Well, and then we get the tag scene at the end with the five of them. Exactly. Exactly. And basically Stallone saying that we need to get the band back together again. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. The only thing is, is those original Guardians were from the far future, and they actually had someone from our present, Vance Astro, uh, there with them. Um, and he was, you know, but that that's I could do without him. He's a mutant, so we can't have him anyway. Right. So screw you guys. Um, but, oh, just as someone who read those comics in the 90s particularly, to see that, and Taserface was a villain from the Guardians uh, comic book. Um, right. In the 90s. And so just some of that stuff just for me just really geeked me out. And then when they're approaching Ego and his face is there as the planet, you know, and I'm like, oh, then I was like, you've done it. I, you win. And I am I love this movie just because you did this. And, and well, my, my whole thing when we found out who Kurt Russell was playing, he's going to be playing Ego, the living planet. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how are they going to make this work? And I thought that they did it really well with him being able to manifest himself as a human, but he he can't stay away for too long. Like he has to come back basically to himself to recharge that manifestation. I thought that worked really well. And then the story with him where he's been slowly seeding the whole galaxy and stuff. I thought all of that worked. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. I thought it worked fantastically. Um, and I thought it being right behind a Dairy Queen worked. Because uh, Lord knows there's not anything good happens behind a Dairy Queen. Oh, but there's amazing stuff that happens inside a you Dairy Queen. You better believe it. You better believe it. <laughs> I love me some DQ. What about the go find my fin scene? Oh, it was so good. It was so, so good. That's a desk. Look, That's <laughs> honestly all of the Baby Groot stuff was great, yes. I, I, and I love the little things like just Baby Groot always trying to beat up Drax. Yes, yeah, you know, and even the scene where the the planet is blowing up and they're all trying to get back to the ship, and Drax finally gets onto the ship, and Baby Groot runs over and just starts pounding away on him right away. <laughs> uh, and, and, and honestly, look, I, I have to admit, part of the reason I loved Baby Groot was that there was so much of him that just reminds me of my youngest nephew, uh, Evan, who is eight. Like he, Evan mm-hmm. makes some of the same faces that Baby Groot makes. Evan's always, you know, he's always messing around with his older brothers and stuff. He just reminded me a lot of him. Um, and then, of course, when we get teenage Groot at the end, well, all of a sudden now that reminds me of my 16-year-old nephew, Liam. Right. Um, but, yeah, the Groot stuff was just so good throughout the movie. And that scene where he can't find the fin and he, he breaks back the thumb and it's or the toe and it's like, <laughs> yeah, we're just not going to ever talk about this again. <laughs> so it was good. Just but you the- also – I love that, like the when Cheddar Bob is like just hazing him all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Cheddar Bob's not his name in this movie. That was his name in Eight Mile. The same actor. Um, but you just feel so bad for little baby Groot and having to wear those that suit and everything. Oh, so good. He did finally bring Rocket the eye that Rocket wanted in the first <coughs> film, and I did yeah. notice that during the film. Uh, while watching the movie, I'm like, "That's that's funny. That's a cool little callback without being a callback." Um, but yeah, and I was like, "How long are they going to go through this whole thing?" And and they did it. They did it right. Like they had him bring just the right amount of items with just a, the right amount of quirkiness, 
and you know, and it also gave um, uh, Sean Gunn's character a chance to redeem himself. Yep. Um, with it, and and so, and to come back around, I thought it was, you know, th- that was something too that was surprising is just the use of Craglin was his name, um, the way that he became someone that you're like, okay, I do like this guy, you know, and yeah, um, th- there was a lot of cool turns that they took with some of the characters that were in the first movie is just supporting characters that suddenly they became, <laughs> they became a, a lot more meaningful and, and, and they got some depth to them without spending too much time getting too mushy or too expositional with them. Yep. Um, I love to just the teasing of taser face about his name, taser face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, when rocket's doing it, but then later in the movie, when taser calls the sovereign and he's like, you just tell them that taser face like said, and she just like turns and starts laughing. <laughs> and I mean, he's dying. He's like, right. He's about to get blown up, up yeah. and stuff. And she's still laughing at him. Oh, cause his name is taser face, taser face. <clears throat> that was, uh, her name was Aisha. Elizabeth yeah. Debicki, and I'm trying to think of, and like I kept looking, at her, I'm like, do I know her from anything else? And I really don't. I I've seen been anything asking else myself the same thing. Yeah, I haven't seen anything else that she's in that I know of. She was in The Man from Uncle with Henry Cavill, and that's yeah, but about. I didn't see that. And she was in The Great Gatsby, and that's those are the two bigger things that I know that she would have been in. Um, but I've not seen either one of those, so I thought she did a really good job, and. Uh, I like the flirtation with her and Peter in that first scene, you know, right there in front of Gamora. Yep. <laughs> and um, and Gamora's reaction. Uh, the, the Rocket kind of trying to sabotage himself within the family, you know, to kind of blow them off before they could blow him off, basically. Uh, was was just really a cool twist. was a good addition to that character, and a natural progression for that character who feels like yep. he's all alone in the universe. But then he got to be totally B.A. when the Ravagers were sneaking up on him um, there on the planet. And, uh, you know, before they got captured. And it was that was a cool scene where Rocket got to shine a little bit. I loved it when Peter called him Trash Panda. I'd never heard that before. <laughs> Is that bad? It's worse. It's- yeah. Um. I, I, the the Gamora Nebula storyline I thought was great. Uh, we get to find out a little bit more about each of the characters. You know, they had a great little fight against each other, but then the hog at the end was just mm-hmm. priceless. Yeah, yeah. We're just we're Nebula awkward. doesn't know what to do, right. how to deal with it. <laughs> um, um, but it was good and like. I like too that the team is growing a little bit. You know that it looks like they've got Mantis as part of it now. That sure. Nebula can come and go as she pleases. That Craglin, which is Sean Gunn's character, I think, is now sort of part of this. Um, you know, I, I, I like that. I, I like the new additions to it. They all kind of fit. It's this just kind of big, dysfunctional family that for some reason works together. Well, it's the it's the whole idea of of the misfits coming together and only fitting in with each other, right? You know, yep. it's, it's that it's that idea of no one else understands us but us, and and as and as and as dysfunctional as we may be, you know, we still matter to one another. Um, it, it, 
it, it was it was a good look at you know I, I kept hearing that people you know different people that were in it you know said well this is all about family and it really ended up being a movie all about family yeah. you know it's like you can you can fuss at me i can i can make fun of them i can i can yell at them and be frustrated with them but you can't touch them you know the minute someone else comes after them the minute someone from outside the family comes after them you know that's when i will you know you don't i don't put up with that it's that whole idea of if you've got a brother you know that you always you can pick on him but no one else can yeah and well and i think that that's very true to families mm-hmm. sure yeah and very true to big families as well. I've been, I mean, I've been yep. there. I've, I've lived in it. And so um, I thought it was, look, at the end of the day, uh, man, I love that it was a standalone movie right down to the, the five post-credit sequences. Like, I kept waiting for, all right, what's going to lead us into the next thing? What's it? And nothing ever did. Um, yeah, I thought that we might get some <clears throat> Thor thing in there somewhere and the only and, and the only thing we got didn't. the only thing we got was jeff goldblum dancing in the credits oh we did yes there's when when the credits are rolling and there's pictures of people um i missed that yeah he's there yeah i, I pointed out this rifen when we were watching it with scott rifen <sighs> i pointed out to him like hey there's jeff goldblum there's his character um completely missed that yeah but I like the fact that it was all self-contained. I mean, it really was, as far as this crew goes, a self-contained story for this for this group. Self-contained, but completely sets up a third movie. Right. But I mean, within within just this cast, self-contained. Like, there's not this whole thing of, well, we've None got to build... None of the other Marvel movie characters. Right. We don't have to build yeah. to the next Marvel movie with this. And, and I think that that's what maybe after infinity war that a lot of these things need to do these marvel movies need to now you know kind of shrink down in their scope oh a little no bit. i completely disagree you think so i completely disagree i for guardians it works because you have such a large cast <clears throat> but the thing i've really enjoyed about the captain america movies is that they're getting bigger and and it's it's a lot of the reason that like I don't read I don't read a lot of the individual character books. I read the group books. Right. I'll read the Avengers comics, but I won't read Captain America. Mm-hmm. Because I find Captain America to be a much more interesting character when he's paired with other characters than than when he's carrying the story by himself. I was not crazy about the, the Doctor Strange movie, but I'm really excited seeing Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange character mixed in with the others. See, I disagree. I really like the Doctor Strange movie a lot, and and I'm excited to see him mixed in with the other characters. But I I think there's something to be said for these characters having their own adventures without being shackled to having to build into a larger universe. It works for Cap because he's so tied into the Avengers, just as history. As a right. character to me, it works for him. But like a Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange, honestly to me, I associate more with the original Defenders. And of course, now we're doing Defenders on Netflix, you know. But um, with, right. with the street level characters, but the original Defenders were like Doctor Strange, the Submariner, Hulk. Um, I think the Silver Surfer when he was trapped on Earth was one. Yeah. And the Defenders yes. always ended up being kind of the the outcast um, superheroes that were good, but you know. It didn't necessarily want to work together, right? right? Exactly, exactly. Um, 
and and so and that's why and that's how the Hulk got to be on the Defenders, right? You know because no, he never but he wouldn't leave them like he would he'd be there and he'd be like Hulk's tired of this and they'd be like we'll leave he's like no nah, I'll help I'll stay <laughs> yeah so no but I just I I like them I like to see them interacting with each other I like mm-hmm. to see them working together that's and to me that's the fun of having this big movie universe is that we get to see that and i'm not saying i, I need to see you know and I, I need to see the full avengers team assembled all the time but you know in cap 2 i liked that it was black widow and captain america working sure, together right you know and i i i want to see i want to see more stuff like that i don't necessarily I don't necessarily – and with Iron Man, they were able to bring uh, War Machine in and have him working together. Um, I'm looking forward to the Spider-Man movie partially because Iron Man's going to be in it. See, and that's where and that's where I get into stuff like I don't mind them all swinging around and teaming up at some point. But I really would like them to kind of stay in their own little world for, for their movie you know, and then come together. Uh, for but see, reason. the but the fun of it is is that it's not their own little world. It's this big world that they're all part of. Right. I listen. I understand. Yeah. You know, I understand. And, and I, I and I understand your point that, that you're trying to make also. Um, what? But I'm, for me, yeah, it's like I'm looking forward to Thor and Hulk teaming oh together gosh. in Ragnarok. Tell me about that. Oh my gosh. I know him. Listen, we work together. It's not even that line that makes me laugh. Every time I watch that trailer, I laugh just at the yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's what gets me. Oh my gosh, what a great! And what I like, I tell you what I like about that Thor Ragnarok trailer. Since you asked, um, is the is how much it shows the consistency in the in the look of the universe. Like someone accused it of looking too much like guardians and i'm like well of course it does because they're in the same universe yep they're in the same galaxy of course it's going to have that say you know the aliens are going to look like they fit in the guardians of the galaxy movies because well they do but oh and i just gotta say that i'm watching avengers right now because oh yeah you know I, I always have something on in the background as we're potting and avengers is on fx so of course i'm gonna pop it on FX has been playing the heck out of those Marvel movies lately. Because they time it when there's a Marvel movie in the theaters. Indeed. Indeed. I guess. And you can't go wrong with Avengers. No. You know, Tony's trying to fix the uh, the engine on the um, on the great, helicarrier right That's now. a great scene. I love that movie, by the way. That first yes. Avengers movie. I really do like a whole lot. It's amazing <laughs> to think of just how far we've come since that first movie. Oh, and the Hulk-Thor fight is so good in this. Oh. Which Love actually, it. I'm just thinking about it. Oh, it just gets me so excited for their fight again in Ragnarok. Yes, yes. But just how frustrated Hulk gets when he can't pick up the hammer. Mm-hmm. And Thor just kind of being like, "I don't want to fight you." And Hulk just like throws a throws a plane at him. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Uh, this is Eric doing play-by-play commentary on Hulk versus <laughs> Thor. <laughs> As God is my witness. He's broken in half. <laughs> Here we go. Now, I give you your incredible. Yes! <laughs> <laughs>
you gotta you gotta let me hear the other line. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we know each other. He's a friend from work. <laughs> come on. Oh, come on. I just the it's the yes that gets me even yeah. more than that line. Like just the because he's like, You're incredible and before you can even get Hulk out, the Hulk just busts through the door and Thor just the whole look Yes The way is oh so good. So now good. are they gonna give us beta ray bill? Uh, or is that just too much for the average movie goer? Well, to you know like why is there this horse looking Thor guy? Well, you know that he is in Guardians in the first Guardians, he's in one of those containment things in the collector's lair. Oh, that's right, he is. So you know, or someone, or one of his species at least. And so, I don't think it's too far of a stretch to actually see him show up and maybe help Thor out a little bit. Um, well, and, and while we're, while we're talking about the guys who are in the collector's thing, how about the the Howard the Duck cameo? Again, they're just going to push a Howard the Duck movie on us eventually, aren't they? <laughs> Maybe Seth Green will try and push it yeah. on us. Yeah, uh, uh, but I, I loved it. I thought it worked. It put a smile on my face. Mm-hmm. Oh, me too. Me too. I, I thought it was great. I, you know, there was little things like that I didn't expect. Look, I'm sorry. When you've got the Watchers on screen, even though it's used for comedic value for a Stan Lee cameo, I, the, I completely lost my sitcom at that point yeah <laughs> oh is that are we gonna go with that now is that what we're gonna do now? well it's a family show <laughs> i completely I lost, my lost my sitcom and i just because oh. i had ethan sit next to me i'm like it's the freaking watchers oh my gosh and, and he's like who i'm like it's the watchers and they're and they really look i mean like they look the oh, part perfect they look the part, and I'm just like, and apparently Feige, Kevin Feige, has come out and said, "Yeah, Stanley's basically you are too." So the he watcher. is. I was just going to ask. So yeah. does that mean that Stanley is a watcher? I read. I read the I article. I know that that's kind of turned into the fan theory. Yeah, I read the article. I read an article where Feige said, "Yeah, you know, the fans have been saying it, it makes <laughs> sense, so we'll do it." And then I told that to Scott Rifen, and Rifen's like, "Even when he drank the soda and got gamma poisoning in the Incredible Hulk," and I'm like, "Shut up, Scott." <laughs> yes but yes yes yeah because he's forbidden to interfere like but that. he always and, interferes and, and, and the thing i like about that too is that you know here's the fans come up with this great theory for all the because you know they didn't think of this in the beginning like let's right. just put stanley into a movie and then it kind of gets to the point where well now we have to put stanley into the movies right right and then it turns into a thing like well why are we putting a stanley in all these movies what does it mean and the fans come up with this brilliant idea that he's a watcher mm-hmm. and it makes complete sense and so yeah let's run with this and just admit that okay the fans are right and he's, stanley's a watcher and he's basically there reporting to the other watchers what he's watched and um and and I love it that he's like and then I was a FedEx agent and I'm like that's what he was in Civil War. That's yeah. <laughs> um. Um. And you know that happened in Star Wars too because the fans came up with this idea of instead of it being Slave Leia that she was Hut Slayer Leia. Mm-hmm. Right. And then Claudia Gray canonized that in Bloodline. Oh yeah. Yep. Um. And so it's it you know now it's become a thing that she is. Hut Slayer land now. Mm-hmm. And there's even, I don't know if you saw the trailer that was released this week for the 
the documentary about the Star Wars fangirls. No. Um, you should you should look it up. I believe it's on Vimeo. Um, it's a really great trailer uh, shot entirely at the last celebration. But there is a woman dressed as Hut Slayer Leia, and she says, I am Hut Slayer, you know, explains why she's Hut Slayer Leia. That hmm. was the only time the character's agency was taken from her, and she took it back by defeating her oppressor. And that's why I'm proud to dress as Hut Slayer Leia, and it was a really cool little moment. Nice. Um, yeah, that's well, that's the fans for you. I mean, there's other things yep. they've done like that. I but just you can't have think to appreciate when the powers that be listen to the fans Exactly, like that. exactly. And I think it's a good theory, and I think it's been a fun one. And, and then to have him, to have James Gunn be like, let's... And I don't even know that James Gunn was necessarily rolling with it then as Stan Lee is a watcher, but it's after he said, let's do this cameo, and Feige's like, well, let's just say he's a watcher from now on. You know, yeah, the fans have been and it. it works perfectly, yes, too. yeah. Perfectly. The two times we see it in the movie is perfect. <laughs> I love the first time because they're like doing all the jumps to get to that point. All right. Now I got to ask you this. The sequence where they're jumping mm-hmm. and we see different planets yeah. and stuff going on on those planets. I felt like I was missing something. Um, so you having the deep dive knowledge of especially the Marvel space lore. Yeah. Was there anything in those jumps that like got you excited? Was I would, Did you recognize anything? I would honestly have to go back and watch through each one because it was happening so fast, and I was just kind of taking... There was nothing that jumped out at me immediately without having to go back for a second viewing. Okay. Um, but I will tell you that the, uh, that the planet that they were on where they met Ego, they actually... The one where they crashed onto. Mm-hmm, they actually gave a name for that planet that... Is, it's like Burnthal or something. Yeah, right? it was straight out of the Hulk comic, Burhart or Burhart or something. And okay. it's straight out of some Hulk comics from back in the day where this is the thing people don't realize a lot of times Hulk had been, had gone off planet many times. Okay. Um, and, and back in the day, early on, he was there and I forget, uh, it was the Galaxy Master was the name of the person he was fighting. But, um, but yeah, it was uh, he was there, and, and we met a whole race that lives there. And then there was another time where Hulk was off planet, and and so this so Planet Hulk is one of the more popular things. But it wasn't a new it wasn't a new idea when Greg Pak did okay. it. But Burhard is definitely it's it's from the comics the same way Barit was from the Hulk comics, the Pink Lady that Peter Quill was with at the beginning of the first Guardians. I, I love that scene. Um, she just forgets that yeah, she's on the ship. She's from she's from the Hulk comics originally. So okay, uh, that you know it's just interesting that the Hulk of all people has some of these galactic tie-ins. But I'll have to I want to go back and watch it because I do want to watch scenes like that to see if I notice anything that that sticks out to me because I sure I didn't necessarily. Um, and I've watched I've read like one or two articles of of. Uh, of like here are the Easter eggs in Guardians Volume Two, and most of them I already had caught. Um, okay. And when he when his eyes go all black and starry and everything, and mm-hmm. he says he sees eternity, eternity is actually a cosmic entity in the Marvel right. Universe. Yeah, he's one of the celestials. Right. Whatever, it, well, he? yeah, he, I think he's bigger. No, he's actually he's almost like God in the Marvel okay. Universe. Is eternity? You've got eternity and the Living Tribunal, who are almost like God in the. Uh, 
in the star in the in the Star Wars in the Marvel universe, and so right. in Eternity, when you see him, his body literally is like a body, but it's like made up of space, of stars, you know, and yeah. blackness and stuff. Yeah. Yep. So, um, I uh, so I, I kind of thought I'm like, oh, are we about to get to see Eternity? I was like so hoping. I'm like, are they about to really blow our minds? But I think that's what Peter Quill was actually seeing, um, in his you know in his eyes and everything. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, well, I, I loved it. Yeah, me too. It's top five Marvel movies for me. You know, the the only reason it's not higher is simply because I love the first one even more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love I love these characters. I can't wait to see them in Infinity War. I can't wait to. See- I'm so glad that James Gunn has said he's coming back for Volume Three. I can't wait to see Volume Three, whenever that might be start working on it right now because i want it now <laughs> um i just absolutely love these characters and i really I, i'm intrigued by this this the sly stallone team and this idea that you know my brother-in-law told me they might spin it off and do their own movie yeah um i think certainly if that doesn't happen we'll see them in volume three because yes you don't bring somebody like sly stallone on to do a five second cameo well you don't bring Starhawk and martin x and charlie 47 and all those guys on yeah, yeah. without the promise of there being something bigger down the road for agreed them. agreed 100 percent agreed well not to mention Irish, we've now been going over two and a half hours so um, oh, we're, we're we're approaching three here yeah well i'm just um, saying i love it official recording time is is a little over two and a half hours. Uh, okay. Let's see. Um, okay, but back to we need to get Kristen on and just kind of walk through the music and everything um, at some point. But I tell you, the use of the chain was fantastic. Yes, when especially it, when they use it because they use it twice, right? I only remembered the one time when like it okay, was the big then fight. The one t- then I'm getting oh I'm getting it confused with no wait what's the. I'm getting it confused with the song that he's listen- they're listening to in the car at the beginning of the movie. They're listening to Brandy in the movie in the car. Yeah, that mm-hmm. they use a few times yes, in the movie. But right. yeah, the chain when it happens at the end of the movie is just perfect. Oh, it was so- <laughs> I was like I've never liked I've never liked Fleetwood Mac as much as I like Fleetwood Mac right now. Yeah. And um and the song they played at the end during the credits was an original song um called Guardians Inferno and and David Hasselhoff raps on it, so yeah, that's a, that's some cool mess. We'll have to get together and talk about just the soundtrack at some point, but uh, we won't do that right now. Until next time, uh, talk to us between shows. We'd love to hear from you. Geek out online. Wait, I got I got one little non Guardians thing that I meant to mention. Oh, earlier. okay, go for it. It's it's a Snoke theory. Um, so I'm at. Toys R Us the other day, just perusing the aisles and stuff, and I haven't been there in a while. There is still a bazillion Constable Zuvio oh, sure. Black Series yes. figures yep. on the shelves. Yep. I think Snoke is going to be Constable Zuvio. Constable Zuvio is Snoke? Oh! And that's going to be that this is why we put out a Constable Zuvio figure for all of you fools to buy. <laughs> for all you fools. <laughs> <laughs> guy that's not even in the deleted scenes right 
in you, the movies, but we, we put out a figure for him. We hit, we hit why it under. Why is this figure still? And why is he not marked down to like a dollar at this point? Uh, we're like at least we're almost two years since the, the toy came out. Exactly. He's not even in the movie. He's in nothing. <laughs> we only know who he who he is because of this specific toy. Well, you know Wonder what? Woman action figures are already marked down, but Constable Suvio isn't. Well, it's because he's going to be Snoke. It's the nature of the beast. It's the nature of the beast. <laughs> they still think he's going to be worth something. Like, these collectors will pay for him. Oh, send him back to Hasbro, Target. Come on. <coughs> All right. Well, until next time, you can get in touch with Between Shows. Geek out online at gmail.com. Geek out online at gmail.com is the... Uh, is the email. We'd love to have your support at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. We've got a new um, behind-the-scenes coming to you over at Patreon soon, so keep your eyes peeled for that. You can follow me on Twitter at geekoutloud. At Steve Glosson is my personal Twitter. Erish is at Darth underscore Duff. And you can follow the entire Goloverse at Goloverse. Hey, join us in the Goloverse group on Facebook. If you use the Facebook, it's uh, geekoutonline.com slash group is the easiest way to get there and we would love to uh to have you be a part of what's happening over that way um we have a lot of good discussion a lot of fun happening over there use the amazon links the entertainment earth links the think geek links that you find at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com and help us out we'd greatly appreciate that erish thank you so much for swinging by brother it's fun always a pleasure my brother and we will be timely again this summer yes sir we're sorry. It's been too long since uh, Steve tried to pass some corn through me. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we call a callback. We'll see you next time, everybody. Bye.